patient because i missed you (laughs) (laughs) were we we were gonna talk about something on the show i was like oh we have to talk about that billy zane (laughs) your face billy fucking zane all right we have another billy zane story for you guys let's introduce ourselves all right uh, so welcome to magnolia street podcast i'm christina you're christina i'm justina and this is the practical magic fandom podcast welcome justina has a billy zane story for us so the other night i had i sat down with like a nice glass of whatever i was drinking and aaron and i couldn't decide what to watch and he has never seen the mummy too so i put that thing on and i was just in heaven i was just in heaven and i was marcoing justina back and forth i'm like just in heaven watching what's that guy's name arnold Vosley. i don't even know i still call him billy zane He's still Billy Zane to me. You texted me while I was on my way to get ramen, and you were like, uh, me and Aaron are watching The Mummy 2 tonight with starring Billy Zane. And then I was like, do you want to see something fucking hilarious? And you were like, yes. So I screenshot it. If you go to Billy Zane's Instagram profile, you know what it says? Right underneath his name. It says, Billy Zane, not The Mummy, slash, bad on boats. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think t- I it clicks now the bat on boats thing. Oh my gosh, that's so I fucking cute. <laughs> I know. I was so distracted by the not the mummy thing because <laughs> he's been he's been our mummy since the beginning of this goddamn right. show. Yeah. Must get that all the time. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure I'm not now I now I know I'm not the only one because initially when I told you that I thought that was Billy Zane, you're like, What? Are you kidding me? The fuck? He doesn't even look like the same guy. I'm like, yes, he does. Well, he does. Well, apparently everybody else thinks so too, because he had to put that in his profile bio for Instagram. Bad on boats. Bad on boats. Blah, blah. Blah, blah. Yeah. So Very fucking cute. hilarious. We did have a Billy Zane like fan club Instagram, I the, guess, yeah, reached yeah. out to us. Yeah. Do you want to read that one? That one's kind of oh, funny. Geez. All right. This is from, they used his, I guess they used his real name. The, the the title is William George Zane. So, all right. So the the handle is Billy Zane underscore, like the long underscore FP, which I guess stands for fan page. Fan page. Yeah. Okay. And they just said, they said, hi, I just want to say a big thank you for your love and support and comments. Always keep, keep the spirit and keep winning. We will, Billy. Thank you. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, man. This has gone on way too long, this Billy Zane thing. But it's just, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. It Oh, everything is <laughs> so connected. connected. It just keeps coming back around. Oh, one of these days. Universe, we're not sure how you're doing it, but please don't one stop. One of these days, we're going to get him on the show. And he's going to wonder how he ended up here. Because he has nothing to do with practical magic. But does, does he? he? If we- We're going to find let's out. Let's use the Kevin Bacon method. Is it six degrees of separation? The six degrees of Kevin Bacon? The six degrees of Billy Zane. (laughs) Let's try to figure this out. So Billy Zane was in the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Who are we trying to connect him with? Anybody Anybody from Practical Magic. Magic. All right. So let's see how long this takes us. 
So Billy Zane <laughs> in a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate. I think the odds of him being in a movie with Nicole Kidman, not him, but like his yeah. connection maybe to Nicole Kidman right. is more likely. Yeah. I guess Leonardo DiCaprio is probably the more, yeah, he's been in like everything. Has Tom Cruise been in a movie with Brad Pitt? Has Tom Cruise been in a movie with Brad Pitt? I don't I don't know off the top of my head, but let's see. Brad Pitt early on, Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon, uh, Delma and yeah. Louise. Let's see. And then Gina Davis was in A League of Their Own with Tom Hanks. We suck at this. We're <laughs> really bad at this. Um, he was also in What's Eating Gilbert Grape with Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's also been in like everything with everyone. <clears throat> or no no i got it 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 i got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. oh okay listen to this i'm gonna go backwards okay diane diane weist johnny depp edward scissorhands johnny depp leonardo dicaprio Billy Zane. oh my god dude that's that's less than six degrees that's nuts He's basically in the movie. He's basically in Practical Magic. Billy Zane officially is in the movie Practical Magic. You just never knew it. I am so impressed. That was really good. Dude, how do we not Uh, see that connection? I'm like trying to go with Nicole Kimmons, Sandra. I'm sure there's other connections, mm -hmm. but that's like the most simple, straightforward, like beeline, right? To right from Titanic to Edward Scissorhands. That's nuts. Oh, all right. I feel like I just like. Did you ascend? That was amazing. Oh my God. Well, that was that fun. Was nice. Thank that you. Was, that was a fun game. A little brain teaser. Yeah. I'm so bad at those. You're like, let's go to AI. I'm like, Christina, stop cheating with everything. I need efficiency now, 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 I now. No, but like, you gotta you gotta work the brain. I know. Otherwise, you're gonna have to take your ginkgo biloba by the time you're like 45. <laughs> ginkgo biloba? <laughs> ginkgo biloba. Uh-uh, I've heard like the ginkgo. Yeah, leaf. it's like it's a it's a a supplement for your brain, like brain power for old people. Ginkgo biloba. <laughs> Uh, we hope everyone had a pleasant February. This comes out the beginning of March, which means we're looking at Ostara here yeah. in a couple weeks. Which is why we're doing this episode, right? Exactly. So if you read the title of this damn episode, you know we're talking about soap making today. Yeah. And within the books, not so much the movie, but within the books, soap making is like a big deal. And it's always done around mid-March. Did you say uh, it was Ostara done time. on Franny's birthday, which is March 21st, right? Is I believe on so, birthday? yeah. The most unlucky day of the year, yeah. right? According to the books, anyway. Was that the same? That was the night that Isabel kind of beckoned her out of a deep sleep to come help her? Was that the 21st? Yeah. Did we know? We have an interview today oh, yeah. with a creator by the name of Laura Denhertog. Uh, We also have some recipes involving black soap and they're all different. And I have one from way back in the day that I'm going to share with you also. But before that, Justina, do you want to tell us where black soap pops up in the books? All right. So we're, we're going to, you, you brought up a good point. You said, should we do the books in order for Maria's story first to see the origins? So we're going to start off with the origins of Maria's story, which is magic lessons. If you're reading the books in order, that's the one you want to read first, which is also the one that we start, we're starting off in our book club. So this one um, starts on page 24. This says, Hannah placed her faith in washing her hands with clean water and her strong black soap before any examination. And because of this, she lost far fewer patients. So this actually started with Hannah, which is not a bloodline relative. And she was getting flack from like the people in town because like all the doctors were like, we'll just leech everybody and not wash our hands basically and she's like well you said it perfectly like a long time ago when you first started reading this that she reminds me reminds you of claire from outland yes because claire's always like sanitizing washing her hands and that way she you know everybody's a little safer yeah and like claire 
was also ostracized when she went back in time um mm-hmm. for you know being a healer she was labeled as a mm-hmm. witch at one point she was almost hanged i was just seeing such a connection between the two not even no i think not i don't think i said hannah i think i said maria yeah i think maria and claire reminded me a lot of each other i was seeing parallels and also like the visuals that i was getting in my head of her like physical appearance i was like picturing claire for sure all right so that was on page 24. There's also a little bit more on page 24. Um, this says, she made her own black soap every March. Okay, so this is where it starts. Hannah, right? Hannah, she made her own black soap every March, enough to last the year long. Burning wood from Rowan's and Hazelwood's for the ashes that would form her lie. Using licorice infu- infused oil, honey, and cloves. Adding dry lavender for luck and rosemary for remembrance. Ladles of liquid soap were poured into wooden molds where they were hardened into bars. Maria had written down the recipe in her grimoire for this soap was most often asked for by the women from town. They said a woman grew younger each time she used it. If she had sorrows, the soap washed them away. And if there was an illness in the house, it would not spread for the herbs in the soap defeated fevers and chills. It was a sort of recipe one could add to however one saw fit mistletoe for those who wished for children vervain to escape one's enemies black mustard seed to repel nightmares and lilac for love so there's a lot of different stuff that goes into these bars and i guess depending on what you're using it for you can add different different things that thing is loaded down that's a good soap i wonder if she's using like the like the lilac and black mustard that's crazy really interesting is she do you think she's mortar and pestling this all together or like yeah, for sure she got like a like a ninja you know mixer <laughs> she's just got a magic bullet in the magic 1600s bullet. <laughs> yeah my question is so it says if there was an illness in the house it would not spread my question is why if this soap was so powerful why didn't it keep away the death watch beetle Oh, because nothing is stronger than a woman's rage. (laughs) Not even the black soap. Not even the soap. All right, page 29. It says the black soap had caused her to appear even younger and more beautiful, but which or not, she was still covered in bruises. Is this about Rebecca? Rebecca. Okay, got it. All right, so page 93. Maria made Hannah's black soap when the moon was waning, adding local ingredients, aloe vera and hibiscus. Oh, we even have an anti-burn bar. (laughs) Aloe vera. Yeah, really? Soothing. It was a hot night and Maria was burning up using the largest iron pots in the house. The soap was so fragrant, bees awoke. Birds sang at an hour when they should have been silent and fussy babies suddenly slept through the night. When she was done making the soap, she fell into her bed and didn't wake for 18 hours. It took a huge amount of energy and focus to make this soap, and because of this, whoever used it would benefit and appear younger, perhaps by as much as 10 years. In the morning, women from Willemstad and from all over the countryside came to buy the bars wrapped in brown paper tied with a string. She sounds like a good sleeper. And- she has like a Justina. <laughs> so I am basically part cat. I just yeah. nap, whatever, yeah. for extensive periods of time. I think I, I think we go into this a little bit later on, comparing the black soap to the uh, it, in the books to the placenta bars in the movie. That okay. connection there, because um, in the mm-hmm. movie we know that the placenta bars is what the townspeople say make the aunts look younger. It's interesting that she added what did she add? H- hibiscus and um, something else. The olivera. It's like an evolving recipe over time. Yeah, and I guess I, again, I think I think the actual ingredients like what. Like the base is probably the same, like the lye and the and the licorice root and the charcoal, whatever they whatever 
what we said before what she used for the base that probably stays the same but then i guess like the actual herbs that she uses in each one probably differs depending on what she wants to use it for i'm guessing i also can't wait i can't wait to get to the the lie portion that you have in store for us dude okay so you remember that victorian farm uh, show I was talking yeah. about in the Edwardian farm we're onto the Tudor monastery farm and they use lie like it's nobody's business and like I can't I can't with these people they're so amazing all right so when we when we talk <laughs> about lie a, b- a little bit later you'll have to tell us a little bit about how they use this this lie go all right because right. so- it's dangerous apparently until it's cured for soaps so so page 245 it says faith had set up a kettle in order to make the black soap her mother had been known for she bought or pilfered ingredients that she remembered as useful from the time when she'd watched Maria practice the nameless art. Ginger, lemon, salt, the bark of elm, chokeberries, cherry pits, white candles and black candles, black fabric, red thread, blue, blue beads, feathers, wild belladonna, which was dangerous and agitated the spirit, bright yellow green ferns for light for lightning never strikes where ferns grow. She began to trade her soap for books and herbs and finney the peddler said every woman who bought a bar of the fragrant black soap had returned to beg for more i'm confused why she's putting blue beads and feathers in soap yeah what the hell and red thread maybe she's using that maybe like she's wrapping the soap up and putting oh. that like wrapping it with the red thread uh-huh. i don't yeah. know so it says he watched as maria washed the child's matted hair in a bowl with warm water and black soap that had a distinctive sweet scent rose and rosemary sage and lavender so i'm not sure who that is referring to maybe samuel oh is this the minister whose daughter was ill and maria came to oh that's right yeah 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 all right so page 388 every night women came for what they needed most red pepper tea for an upset stomach or butterfly weed for nerves or a bar of black soap that could take years off their age or a charm for love I love the evolution of it. It's really cool. And it sounds like it changes like every location. There's either something added or something negated, which is really neat. So that brings us to rules of magic. So page 14, it says that every year a box of lavender scented black soap wrapped in crinkly cellophane would arrive from Massachusetts. Susanna, who is Jet, Franny, and Vincent's mother, refused to say who the sender was, yet she faithfully washed with it. Perhaps... That was why she had such a creamy, radiant complexion. Franny discovered the potential of the soap after she nicked a bar one Christmas. When she and Jet sampled it, the soap caused their skin to shine, but it also made them so silly they couldn't stop laughing. They filled the sink with bubbles and splashed water at each other and soon were soaked to the skin. When their mother found them throwing the slippery bar of soap back and forth like a hot potato, she snatched it from their grasp. This is not for children, she said. Though Franny was nearly 17 and Jet would turn 16 next summer. All right. And then page 50, it says, Then came an evening he was seduced by someone far more experienced than him. This is talking about Vincent. A neighbor. This. (sighs) The age gaps in these books is crazy. Because Vincent's only like 15. Yeah. He's he's like super young. And she's like in her 30s. By the way, I think I put here, I wanted to talk about his experience with this woman. And how appalled okay. I am at how a woman in her 30s is portrayed because it makes me feel like an old fucking hag. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, uh, I'll let you take that away right. then. Um, a neighbor who came by Aunt Isabel to buy Aunt Isabel's black soap, the very stuff their mother used every night. And this is in reference to his affair with the neighbor. So this woman would come by looking to buy the black soap and she noticed Vincent, um, who was much younger. Her name was Mrs. Rustler. 
um, and she was an older woman. And Justine is going to take it away. Um, this was on page 50. Okay, so listen to how Alice Hoffman paints the picture, paints the picture of a woman in her 30s. I was right. dying when I read this. I was like, oh my God, do I look like this in the morning? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so wait, let me, okay, where is it? Oh, right. So this woman, Mrs. Rustler, okay, she's a married woman. Her husband's away on business and he has this affair with her, right? So he has, I guess he had an affair with her one night and um, it says Vincent was convinced to spend the night and then it went too far. She'd suddenly said something about being in love. Fear coursed through him at the very idea. Mrs. Rustler was in her late 30s. So basically what I am now, I am 39, okay? All right. Uh And it says the age of his mother. All right. What? So Susanna Owens at this point is younger than I am now. And she had a she had a 18 year old. Well, no, he was like 14. Yeah. But that means Franny was 18, 18 at that time. Oh, yeah. She right. Yeah. 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 No, 17. Right. 17. So you, she's 38. Yeah. She had, okay. 21. I guess that's yeah, not unheard that's of. Not, that's not that bad. So it says he realized how old she was when he stayed all night and saw her in the glare of the bright morning sun. I hope my husband doesn't look at me like this in the morning sun. It says, it was something of a shock. She was haggard and dull with sagging breasts. Her nose appeared to be crooked and there were hairs in her chin he hadn't noticed before. If anything, she reminded him of a very large rabbit. Oh my god. Maggie coming back around. Maggie coming back around. But dude, Alice, why you gotta do us almost 40-year-olds like that? Look how crooked my nose is. I have one hair that grows out of the same spot on my Me chin. Me too. I have a hair. I don't even bother with a bra half I the time. I have little hairs that grow out of this little little beauty, my little mole on the side of my lip. <laughs> I have to pluck them, but I just, I I thought that was hilarious. I was reading that dying. I was like, oh my God, I hope I don't look like this in the the sunlight. I have another connection. What, what, what? Does that not remind you of what's eating Gilbert Grape and the woman he ends up having an affair with through the beginning of the movie? Oh my God. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember who plays that woman. No, I don't remember. But interesting yeah very interesting. billy zane billy zane <laughs> oh my god all right page 56 it says the black soap is made in march in the dark of the moon which in the other book you said it was during the wa- a waning moon when you had read it in magic lessons it had said waning oh, uh, oh she made it under a waning oh. moon and that could be different right ostara isn't necessarily like a full moon right no wait I think it changes yeah it well it changes from year to year right what when would you make it i would I think I would make it during the new moon uh-huh. as as a way of like incorporating like the the pulling out. Okay. Like if you're using that soap on your skin, it's gonna draw out like the the negativity right. and like yeah. all the toxins. Okay, and shit. so this is what Davy and Tracy.com have to say about the moon and Ostara. Day and night are equal length for a day or two before the balance tips in favor, because we know that that the Ostara is the spring equinox. It's about the balance, right? Ostara corresponds to the first quarter moon, a time of balance, overcoming obstacles, and perseverance. So that's a waxing. Is waxing getting bigger? Waxing, waxing is, is getting, getting bigger. That's the first quarter? Waxing is getting bigger. Okay, we have some differing <laughs> information on this. Can we just talk about how pagan the Catholics are? 100%. Because, well, we all, we, Easter? Well, yeah, we, we know that they stole Easter from Ostara. Like, we know that. But this article from Almanac Almanac.com says the curious the curious link between Easter, the equinox, and the moon. Easter occurs on the first Sunday after the Paschal Paschal or Paschal full moon. 
So in simple terms, this is the first full moon immediately immediately following the vernal spring equinox. So right. so there you go right there. We're, the Catholics and Christians, they're acknowledging a moon phase, which determines Easter. And on our last episode, we talked about they will do it after a full moon in case there is ever an eclipse, a lunar eclipse, because if there is an eclipse on Easter, that signifies the end of days. Uh -huh. So they will always do the Sunday after the full moon. Right. I think that is that witchy as shit. And they are hypocrites. <laughs> well, you are drinking the blood and eating the body of the Christ. Jesus was a zombie. He came back to life. Yeah. So there. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Okay. We're getting through page 56. Let's do it. I'll start I'm again. Sorry. The best soap is made in March in the dark of the moon. No, I love, I love all the theory. Yeah. But since, oh, I think this is when Aunt Isabel is talking to Franny. Okay. But since you're here now, we'll do it tonight. Soap it must be made by somebody in the family. That's why I called you. If you weren't the right person, you had gone on sleeping, but you woke, so the job is yours. And like I said, this is when Aunt Isabel wakes Fran Franny from her deep sleep uh, to help her make the soap. And it's interesting because she doesn't physically wake her. She like gets into her dream like somehow, like yes. she she yes. spiritually summons her. So Franny just like wakes up at that. He's so fucking funny. She said, and that's why I called you. She's just outside like, I know. <laughs> I just, I just thought it was like so creepy how she just like Franny just woke up out of a deep sleep and just knew that she had to go out into the garden and, and go yeah. to Isabel and help with the soap. And then right after this on page 58, it says, this is where the recipe for our soap came from. Uh, they may have the journal Maria wrote in her last year in the library, but we've kept the important book hidden. And this is in reference to Maria's grimoire that uh, contained all of her magical recipes. All right. So then on the very next page, page 59, it says... To mix, they added roses from the garden, lavender that they had grown by the gate, herbs that would bring luck and protect against illness. Sparks flew and changed colors as they rose from yellow to blood red. Making this soap was hard work, and soon enough, Franny was overheated. Sweat fell into her eyes, and her skin turned slick with a sheen of salt. It seemed like a wonderful science experiment. For the ingredients must be carefully measured and added slowly so they don't burn. She and her aunt took turns stirring the mixture for it required a surprising amount of strength, then poured ladles of liquid soap into wooden molds that were kept on the shelves in the potting shed. The liquid soap in the molds hardened into bars. Inside each was a dash of shimmering color, uh, as if each contained the essence of the rose they'd added. They wrapped the bars in crinkly cellophane. As they did, Isabel appeared younger, almost as if she were still the girl she had been before she came to Magnolia Street. Franny's own complexion was so rosy from the hours of handling the soap that drowsy bees were drawn to her, as if she were a flower they couldn't resist. She batted them away, unafraid of their sting. When Franny awoke, out of that dream and she goes to i guess the garden where isabel is making the soap it says um cranny crept forward carefully doing her cranny best to trip franny <laughs> franny i'm sorry did i say cranny i think so <laughs> oh, sorry it says it was pitch dark right because she they did it in the dark of the moon and franny crept forward carefully doing her best not to trip over the holes the rabbits had dug when she narrowed her eyes, she noted that she, uh, she wasn't the only one out in the yard. Aunt Isabel was making lie. She was making lie. Mm -hmm. so yeah, it's from wood. Lie? Yeah, you can make lie. Okay, okay. Yeah, it says she was making lie by pouring water through wooden ashes while talking to herself in a low tone. Could you imagine what she might have been saying during all this? 
So it says, now that Franny's eyes had adjusted to the dark, she spied a mound of dried lavender on the ground, along with a basket of spices and a pail of what looked like liquid midnight. Must have been that charcoal. Mm-hmm. Or it says, but was in fact licorice infused oil. So mm. that's, I guess that was what it was. So we we quoted this before where Aunt Isabel says the best soap is made in March in the dark of the moon. But you're here now, so we'll do it tonight. Blah, 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 blah. All right. So so Franny actually asks her, or no, she says to Isabel, I don't see why it has to be me. Um, Franny was barefoot and the earth felt damp. She goes, Jet can do it. Isabel gave her a hard look. Her expression sent a deep chill through Franny. Could you imagine just Isabel just being like, just mm-hmm. giving you that death stare like no it's you bitch <laughs> bitch i woke you up <laughs> yeah it says her expression sent a deep chill through franny it 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 was to be her that much was clear franny noticed the book that was kept in the greenhouse had been brought outside the fat overstuffed tome reminded her of a black toad for it was bound in a covering that resembled frog frog skin which we learned that it that it was cool to the touch it was filled with deeply personal information some too dangerous ever to repeat if there were no family member to inherit it it would be burned when the owner died out of respect according to to tradition and then it goes into like the book of shadows blah 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 blah. all right so it's it it's it's during this ritual when franny opens that grimoire to help isabel make the soap she actually on read reads on the first page the rules of magic so I guess that's where the title of the book comes from, The Rules of Magic. It says, do as you will, but harm none, no one. What you give will be returned to you threefold and fall in love wherever you can. That's interesting because like at the beginning of this particular book, Susanna has her own rules. Right. You know, no wearing boots, no skipping mm-hmm. down the street, you know, no going past 74, whatever, which is really interesting. Right. Yeah. Well- the last rule stopped for any cold. She says, because the last rule is fall in love with, when, whenever you can. And she says, how is this possible? We're cursed. And uh, Isabel goes, anything whole can be broken. And anything broken can be put back together again. That is what the meaning of abracadabra is. I create what I speak. Isabel just speaks in fucking riddles. It's so <laughs> fascinating. And F- Franny says, are you saying the curse can be broken? For a moment, Franny felt her heart lift. Uh, It hasn't been in several hundred years, but it doesn't mean it can't be, Isabel says. I see, Franny said moodily. Clearly, the odds weren't on their side. Together, they lifted the old black cauldron to hang on a metal pole over the wood fire. Ashes floated up in a fiery mist. To the mix, they added roses from the garden, lavender that had grown by the gate, herbs that would bring luck and and protect against illness. All right, so it says... By the time they were done, the sky was filling with light. Franny felt invigorated. So fevered, she slipped off her nightgown and stood there in her underwear. She could have kept at it for another 12 hours, for in truth, the job had seen more pleasure than work. She collapsed in the grass, observing the sky. A few pale clouds shone above. Aunt Isabel handed her a thermos of rosemary lemonade, which Franny drank in thirsty gulps. That was fun, Franny said. Isabel was clearly pleased. She had pe- packed up the grimoire until it was next needed. For for us, it was. It would be dr- drudgery for most people. So I guess making soap for them isn't this, like, tedious process. Like, like they truly enjoy it. Like, it's truly, it brings pleasure to them. I wonder if it all depends on the person. Because if Jet had been the one to awaken or Vincent, like, would they have been like, oh, that's fucking sucks. You that's know? a good point. And, that's like, the point. one who is the chosen one. Uh-huh. They love it. No, that's that's the entire the entirety of the ritual. Okay. 
Okay. That's it. That's everything. Okay. All right. Um, so on page 159, it says before the sisters opened a shop on the first floor of the house, they made soap prepared in an iron pot on nights when the moon was waning again, a different, different, different right? time, a pale sliver in the sky above St. Vincent's hospital on the Northeast corner of seventh and Greenwich avenues on page 173 to 174. It says the only result was an order from a small pharmacy on Bleecker street for a box of black soap. Franny had altered the recipe, adding city ingredients that were available. There was no blooming roses outside the door, no lush herbs and flowers, as there were in Isabel's garden. So she made good with what she had. A branch from an ash tree in Washington Square Park, two dappled feathers. See, what's up with who's, but why are you putting feathers in soap? <laughs> two dappled feathers of a nesting dove on West 4th Street, leaves from the wavering lilacs in the yard. The result was grittier than on Isabel's recipe with more intensity wash with it not only were you beautiful you were ready to do battle oh damn Ooh, that's like the city that that's the city uh a city scrapper. Grit. yeah yeah that's city <sighs> bar yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> two more from rules of magic on 255 says they made soap out in the garden the best batch that they had that had ever been produced i'm just like th- not even reading i'm just making up the story by now <laughs> the best batch that had ever been prepared if used once a week it could take years off a person's appearance they wrapped the portrait of maria owens in brown paper and string for storage then put bay leaves and cloves in the closets to keep moths away was this after Isabel died. And lastly, on page 259, says the sisters washed their aunt with warm water and black soap, then dressed her in white. Yeah. They went down to the garden where the night was starry and clear. And this right. is after Aunt Isabel passed away. Yeah. So they even prepare the, you know, the newly deceased, like, I guess, like a burying ritual. They pre- they also prepare the dead with black soap one last time. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. Were we like, talking about how th- whoever passes away has to be dressed in, bl- isn't it black? I thought it was black. And they dress her in white. Oh. Remember Sally had to call, I guess, or talk to the m- morgue and uh-huh. say, like, dress them for the funeral in black with yeah. no shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Was Overall, that a different book? Uh, no, actually, I think it's the end of this book. Yeah, I and think the you're right. Magic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Practical magic right off the bat on page 17. This is very early on in the book. It says other girls she knew washed with bars of ivory and sweet scented kamei while she and Jillian were forced to use the black soap the aunts made twice a year on the back burner of their stove. Interesting that they're making it on their stove now, not in the garden. The black soap made by the Owens women consisted of lye, licorice infused oil, honey, clove, rosemary, lavender, and mint. Uh, Page 25. The older she got, the worse it became. Oh, maybe it was the black soap she washed with that made her skin seem illuminated. Whatever the reason, she was hot to the touch and impossible to ignore. And that was in reference to Jillian and her budding sexuality, which affected all the boys and even gross grown men. Gross. Gross. Yeah. Page 39. In spite of Sally's admonition, the aunts placed Myrtle beneath Michael's pillow and urged him to bathe with Holly and a bar of their special black soap. In reference to the aunts trying to ward off the curse and the Death Watch beetle, which Sally and Michael thought was just more of the aunts' nonsense. And didn't we say before, like, why didn't they try to use the black soap for the Death Watch beetle? Well, apparently they did, and it didn't work. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. There's there our is. answer. <laughs> um, page 85. 
the black soap the aunts send as a present every year has been taken out of the soap dish and had been replaced with a bar of clear rose-scented soap from friends and that's in reference to jillian making herself right at home when she comes to stay with sally i think wasn't she staying in like kylie's room or something i think yeah i think her and kylie were sharing a room split right down the middle which is interesting if sally's trying so much to be normal why does she have the black soap and jillian's got the like plain right fancy stuff yeah 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 but also sally is pretty frugal i can see sally just being like oh well it's free soap might as well just use that soap okay um and you know jillian this otherworldly well-traveled being she just has to have this like exotic the creme de la creme foreign soap Yeah, yeah 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 all right so page 262 Lately, Aunt Jet has to carry a black cane that has a carved raven's head. She bent over with arthritis, but she never complains about the way her back feels when she unlaces her boots at the end of each day. Each morning, she washes with the black soap. She and Francis mix up twice a year, and her complexion is close to perfect. Twice a year? Didn't it say that at the beginning of the Practical Magic book? So they're doing it on the spring equinox? I guess both equinoxes. I was going to say, I wonder that you do it in the fall too. Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. Yeah. And then this is, I guess, the last mention of the black soap in the Practical Magic, the first book. Page 268, the aunts know precisely had how much lye to add to the lime, much more than they include when they boil up their black soap, which is especially beneficial to women's skin if she washes with it every night. Bars of the aunt's soap wrapped in clear cellophane can be found in health food stores in Cambridge and several specialty shops along Newberry Street, and this has bought not only a new roof for their old house, but a state-of-the-art septic system as well. So they're, (laughs) again, going back to, we think Jet had an Etsy shop at some point. (laughs) Um, And, you know, this is the, the way they make their living. This is their herbal, this is their craft. They're herbalists, you know, bath and body works bath and body supplies yeah when i used to work so i worked for mary Kay at one point and bath and body works and like they'll tell you women's beauty products and skincare will always have a market like Mm -hmm. they will never be out of business because it's like a fleeting you know uh creation i guess you know so it gets used up so you gotta go buy more if it works even better i mean look i'm afraid to you to use this because i don't want it to run out i know so, yeah. And you're, and Christina's over here lathering it up and you're like, I need more. Send me more. <laughs> so Haley got us. Haley got us. Yes. I think that was it for practical magic. And now we're on to the very last book, okay. uh, book of magic. I feel a sneeze coming on. So I might pause in between. Dude, same. Uh, that was me before. <laughs> what did you send it to me? I'm sorry. It's okay. So this comes on page three. So it says even in her eighties, Jet was still beautiful. Each day she washed with the black soap the family prepared in March during the dark phase of the moon with every bar then wrapped in crinkly cellophane. So I guess it's like, could be dark moon, could be waxing moon. Depending on, I guess, the situation or what they needed for. I don't know. And then page 15, it says, although she looked far younger than her age, likely due to the miraculous black soap the Owenses had concocted from a family recipe since the 1600s. When it had been useful in treating those infected with the plague in a time when 
simply washing one's hands made a world of difference with ingredients that were disinfectants, including rosemary, lavender, and mint. Sally distrusted the world, an attitude that aged a person beyond her years. Maybe uh, black soap would help uh, dispel or uh, get rid of Corvid once and for all. Corvid! (laughs) (laughs) I'm going with what you call it. Uh, I think that's hilarious. All right, page 314, it says, She knew a curse when she saw one. She grabbed the bar of black soap she carried in her purse, then washed her hands and insisted everyone do the same. So lastly, on page uh, 320, it says, Franny had been tending to the ill using the black soap that had first been made with antibacterial ingredients by Hannah Owens during the Black Death. Franny now brought the soap and a basin up to the small room under the eaves where the children of the innkeeper had slept in the 17th century. Was that when... um? Kylie came back and I think she, Kylie came into the that bar or wherever she like she collapsed went. yeah and she she was like feverish and she was very sick from whatever Tom Lachlan was doing um so I think Franny brought in the black soap to kind of get her fever under control and okay. get her back to speed up to speed um so that's the last book reference I had <laughs> surprise surprise I had another fucking theory what you got <laughs> All right. Um. So in the movie, even though black soap is never mentioned at all, we've talked about this on a previous episode. We think that the placenta bar in the movie was a placeholder for the black soap that they talk about in the books, because one of the townspeople in the movie said, that's how the aunts don't age. I tell you, they just don't age <laughs> because they make these placenta bars. Right. Mm-hmm. So we think this might have been a nod to the black soap in the book which also has the same age-defying quality. Let's talk about lie here for a minute before we get into the next little bit of my theory that I that I have, okay? okay. So what is lie? And this article is called Baby, What is Lie? don't Every- hurt me. <laughs> don't hurt me. <laughs> what no is more. lie? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that song's going on the playlist right now. Um, I like your... Uh, change to the lyrics though thank you what is lie everything you need to know and more by eric sweeney of edensgarden.com okay so this was posted on february 17 2022 and this is all about lie so it says here at eden's garden we were more than excited to enter the magnificent world of natural bar soap made with essential oils for something that seems so simple bar soap making is actually full of complexities and there is a lot of misinformation out there A question we hear fairly often is if we use lye to make our cold processed soap. The answer is yes. Uh, Lye is oftentimes a misunderstood ingredient. However, once it undergoes a chemical reaction to become soap, it's completely safe. Whether you're curious about how we use lye in our soap recipe or you're interested in making homemade lye soap, we're here to help answer all your questions about the history of soap making with lye and different lye soap uses. So what is lye? Here we go. A lot goes into making our handcrafted natural bar soaps, and we couldn't do it without lye, also known as sodium hydroxide. Lye is what makes soap, soap. So what is lye made of? Lye is a highly alkaline chemical solution. The most common is sodium hydroxide. Also, The other way you can remember lye is alkali, right? Okay. So on the on the periodic table of elements, it's oh wait, where's Phyllis? <laughs> Phyllis, come here, please. Phyllis. We need you. Classic Phyllis. Phyllis. The scientific periodic table of elements. Sodium hydroxide is also known as NaOH, but lye can also refer to potassium hydroxide, KOH. As an alkali lye solution, it's highly basic. 
If you remember in high school chemistry days, pH exists on a scale from 0 to 14. Acids are at the lower end of the spectrum, while bases, also known as alkaline substances, are at the higher end. All right, that's all I'm doing. I'm dying. Lemon juice has a pH of 2. Water has a pH of 7, which is neutral. And lye has a pH of 13. Oh, wow. Both strong acids and strong bases are caustic and can cause damage to human skin, which is why lye is often misunderstood. If lye comes in contact with your skin, it begins to react with surface oils, a painful prospect that can lead to burns and irritation. You win the fight club scene. Oh, I forgot they were like into that soap making scheme in fight club. Yeah, and they like steal the fat, and then he like yeah. kisses his hand, and then he slaps the lie on his hand, and he burns. All right, him. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to talk about that scene after after this discussion okay. because I think that's fascinating. I totally forgot about that whole thing, okay. which is why they have the soap, the bar of soap, as the movie poster, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I never like before I even saw Fight Club. I always like wondered why a bar of soap, what soap had to do with fighting. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but. We'll get into that. Um, so if if the lie comes in contact with your skin, it begins to react with surface oils, a painful prospect that can lead to burns and irritation. For this reason, many might choose to work with melt and pour soap or soap that is pre-prepared with lye and ready to have extra ingredients added like essential oils or colorants. So what is lye used for? This chemical is essential to a variety of industrial purposes, the most famous of which is making homemade soap. Others include surface disinfectant, curing food, manufacturing processes, and adjusting the pH of formulations. So how is lye made? So here we go. We, did, we were asking this before. How is Aunt Isabel making lye in her garden? Mm-hmm. All right. So back in the day, our ancestors made old-fashioned lye soap by boiling wood ash, which is exactly what you said, Christina. Then lye was skimmed off the top. In addition, some ancient soap makers made an alkali from sodium bicarbonate also known as baking soda and calcium oxide both of these methods yielded inconsistent lye that made it more difficult to measure its potency and accurately calculate the amount of fat that had to be added to make safe soap nowadays lye is made from ordinary salts the soap making process works as follows salts also known as nacl is dissolved in water Salt crystals fall to the bottom of the container. Graphite rods are inserted into the mixture. Electricity is then run through the rods. Attracted by the charge, crystals of lye attach themselves to the rods. After that, the liquid is poured off and allowed to evaporate until nothing but lye crystals remain. Then, this lye can be used for a variety of purposes, including making soap batter. So, how is soap made? What is lye soap? The short answer is that all soap is lye soap. In fact, true soap bars cannot exist without lye. But in order to better understand lye, let's first discuss the question, how does lye work in soap? So bar soap is made through a chemical process known as saponification. Sapo is Latin for soap. A lye solution is combined with oil or fat to cause a chemical reaction. This reaction breaks down the fats or oils into fatty acid chains and the lye mixture is neutralized in the process. Lye can react with oils and fats in a heated environment or a cold environment. Through a hot process method, soaps can go from liquid form to a solid bar form in minutes. When an outside source of heat is applied to a lye and oil solution, the water molecules in the oil evaporate and the saponification process is sped up. 
although hot process soap is much quicker, we chose to cold process our bar soaps. Heat can change the chemical characteristics of essential oils, and we want to deliver their best, most potent effects in our natural soap, which is why we diffuse essential oils. We don't burn them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we don't want to change all of the chemical makeups in those oils. One of our favorite natural bar soaps is Fighting Five, which is packed with immune-boosting properties to help eliminate germs without drying out your skin. Without lye in soap making, there would only be puddles of fat and oil. In fact, if a soap bar is not made primarily of cleansing alkalized oils, the FDA does not consider it a soap at all. Why do you need lye for soap making? What is soap without lye? Sindents, which which are synthetic detergents, which Mm. are the most common forms of cleansers on the market, um, are surfactants bound together in a bar to cleanse and lather. Common sindents include hand washes, shampoos, conditioners, and body washes. As a marketing tactic, some cleaners, uh, some cleansers claim to be lye-free soap, though lye is often hiding under the name of another ingredient. Many soaps claiming they are made without lye actually did use it as at some point in the manufacturing process. Hmm. Common ingredients that were used, uh, common ingredients that were made using lye include the following: sodium taloate produced by a reaction between lye and animal fat, sodium cocoate, produced by a reaction between lye and coconut oil, and sodium palm kernelate, produced by a reaction between lye and palm oil. In each of these cases, sodium reveals the fact that these oils and fats have previously reacted with lye. Even melt and pour soaps contain ingredients that were derived from a reaction with lye. So lye in an ingredients list. True soaps fall under the jurisdiction of the Consumer Product Safety Commission, also known as the CPSC, and does not require an ingredients label. However, if there is a label, there are two two main ways to to list soap ingredients. Listing the the first is listing the raw ingredients put in the soap base, including the lye, and the second is listing the compounds in the final soap bar. What's left after the chemical reactions have occurred? Our soap, which is Eden's Garden, our soap follows the latter method. Uh, which is the listing the compounds in the final soap bar. When mm. a vegetable oil reacts with lye, it becomes saponified. Ver- it becomes a saponified version of itself. Coconut oil goes in, and, and saponified coconut oil comes out. Mm. This term refers to coconut oil that has been made into soap. Now it says, is lye safe or is lye dangerous? Lye by itself is extremely caustic, so dangerous, right? Um, however, soap with lye should be completely safe, assuming it's been made properly. Lye soap that is improperly made or aged can have too much or insufficiently mixed lye and remain corrosive, um, so which is why they, when they use it in its like most um, pure state in the movie, and it, even in the book, it like disintegrates like Jimmy's body like from the grave. Yeah. And do you Corrupted. remember when we had the placenta episode and the reviews that the placenta bar that was available on Amazon got? It was yes. like, yeah, the first one, like the the one that got like the nice stars was like kind of like my face was a little warm. And then like the zero stars was like my face was on fire. Pure fire. Pure fire. <laughs> Too much lie, maybe, or not, yeah, not really. properly cured. Right. Um, right. So uh it says it is for this reason that we super fat, quote, super fat our soaps by adding more vegetable oil. So more of a carrier, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um uh dif- what's what's the word? Not diffuse it. Um dilute it. Dilute it a little more, yeah. So um, they add more vegetable oils um, than required to ensure lye crystals are completely dissolved. 
We also cure the soap bars for four to six weeks to ensure they are not only safe, but also highly moisturizing and cleansing. So I guess the more it cures, the more mellow that the, the actual lye gets. So it's not as harmful to your skin. Um, when it comes to soap, lye is your friend. So misinformation, all soaps use lye. Okay. Wow. You know, it all, it depends on how it's cured and how much is used and okay. all that stuff. Um, so let's see where we, uh, lie, lie is your friend through the magic of chemistry. The vegetable oils in our bar soap produce a chemical reaction with lye that leads to the creation of a glycerin rich soap bar that nourishes your skin while offering the benefits of aromatherapy. So they, they link some, um, sources here, which we will also link below. And they also have a whole bunch of essentials, um, bars, soap bars that they offer, including the charcoal bar soap, which I'm assuming is also black, black. soap. Mm-hmm. Um, then they have a fighting five bar soap, lavender bar soap, lemongrass, patchouli, peppermint. They have all different scents and uh, herbs used in different ones for different things. Cool. Um, and this was written by Erin Sweeney, uh, Gar- Eden's Garden, Eden's Garden COO and head of development. Um, and then the the article was also reviewed by their lead aromatherapist, Bella Martinez, who is a certified aromatherapist, natural skincare formulator, and Eden's Garden's lead aromatherapist and industry expert. So that's a kind of well-rounded kind of base of lie, what it is, how it's used, how to use it safely. Um, so yeah, it doesn't matter even if you're using glycerin pre-poured or like pourable soap to make at-home soap bars. Those already have lye in it. They're just cured and already safe to use. So mm-hmm. that's the that's the only difference. Wow. Yeah. So we learned about lye today. I love I loves it. Yeah. So now knowing what we know about lye and know that it is used in soap making, especially in practical magic, let's take a look at some of the mentions. Okay. Um so we did we kind of oh yeah, okay. So we we took a look a look at the black soap, but did we look at the lie? First book, right? Okay, so this is Practical Magic, the first book. Page 262 to 263. Francis announces that they may as well stop this guessing game. They'll never know what killed him, talking about Jimmy, but they're still left with a body in the yard. And that is why the ants have brought along their recipe for getting rid of the many nasty things one can find in a garden. Slugs or aphids, the bloody remains of a crow, torn apart by his rivals, or the sort of weeds that are so poisonous it's impossible to pull them by hand even when wearing thick leather gloves. The ants know precisely how much lye to add to the lime, much more than they include when they boil up their black soap, which is especially beneficial to a woman's skin if she washes with it every night. Bars of the ants' soap wrapped in clear cellophane can be found in health stores in Cambridge and in several several specialty shops along Newberry Street, which I think we said this quote before. They buy a whole state-of-the-art septic system. They, they, you know, yeah, they pay for life through selling this soap um and it says at the at home the aunts always use the big cast iron cauldron which has been in the kitchen since maria owens first built the house but here sally's largest pasta pot will have to do (laughs) they'll have to boil the ingredients for three and a half hours so even though kylie is always nervous that someone down at del vecchio's will recognize her voice as the one belonging to the wise acre who had all the pizzas delivered to to mr fry's house a while back she phones in asks for two large pies she she orders the pizza during the while the aunts are boiling lie on that's a big old run-on sentence alice what happened i don't know but anyway so so kylie's ordering this pizza and the aunts are uh you know co- uh, concocting this lie mixture on the back burner of sally's apartment or house 
Uh, the back burner starts to bubble, and by the time the delivery boy arrives, the sky has grown stormy and dark, although beneath the thick layers of clouds is a perfect white moon. So, question. So, all right. Initially, they use this, they use Maria's cast iron cauldron that's passed down from generation to generation. That's at Magnolia Street. On Magnolia Street. So, this is a heavy duty, like cast iron, you know, thing. Yes. Orifice, orifice. Day. <laughs> um, do you think I don't know how lye works with like I guess materials metals yeah metals do you think it would have like eaten through or your run of the mill pasta pot I don't know I don't yeah. know in the book it worked the but book. would it work in real life the pot that they were using in the movie though was not cast iron it looked like either right maybe me- metals are okay all right okay we'll have to, we'll have to research a little more so page <laughs> two sixty five Ben Fry visits as they're creating this lye potion on the stove. Ben doesn't catch on to their anxiety any more than he notices the fiery scent rising from the pot on the stove. He must presume the smell emanates from some special cleaning fluid or detergent or perhaps some small creature. A baby squirrel or an old toad has curled up to die under the back door. Dude, real quick, guys, we're kind of doing this out of order. So you're going to hear an interview between us and Laura of Enchanted Journal. And she says, like, if you're going to be using lye, in the kitchen, you have to wear like a gas mask. Like you need yeah. ventilation. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like the Owens are, are following sound like protocol. The Owens are giving no fucks. Yeah. They're like, Ooh. we are magical ethereal beings. Fuck we up your lungs. will not be affected by caustic or whatever mm-hmm. that shit is. Um, so page 269, Sally and Jillian take the pot from the girls, although Jillian keeps her eyes closed as they turn it over and pour out the lie. The damp earth sizzles and it is hot. As the mixture seeps deeper into the ground, a mist appears. It's the color of regret. It's the color of heartbreak. The gray of doves and early morning. Step back, the aunts tell them, for the earth has begun to bubble. The roots of the thorn bushes are being dissolved by the mixture, as are stones and beetles, leather and bones. They can't move away fast enough, but still something is happening beneath Kylie's feet. Damn it, Sally cries. Right under Kylie's feet, the earth is shifting, falling in on itself, like a landslide going down. Kylie feels it. She knows it. Yet, she freezes. She's falling into a hole. She's falling fast. But Antonia reaches to grab the back of her shirt and then pulls. She wrenches Kylie back so hard and so fast that Antonia can hear her own elbow pop. The girls stand there out of breath and terrified. Without realizing it, Jillian has latched onto Sally's arm. She's holding on so tight, Sally will have Mark's of her sister's fingers on her her skin for days afterward now they all step back they do it quickly they do it without having to be told a thread of blood red vapor is rising from the place where jimmy's heart would have been a small tornado of spite that disappears as it meets the air that was him kylie said of the red vapor and sure enough they can smell beer and boot polish Mm. (laughs) they can feel the air grow as hot as embers in an ashtray and then nothing nothing at all jillian can't be sure if she's crying or if the rain has begun but he's really gone Kylie tells her so let's go back to the movie for a moment after reading that passage in the book and knowing what we know about the mixture of the lime and the lie and how it dissolves Jimmy's spirit bone remnants from the grave so can we assume that the bubbling mixture that aunt francis is stirring at the end of the film just before they exercise his spirit from jillian is the very same lie and lie mixture they concoct at the end of the first book because it's never said in the film what exactly is bubbling in that mysterious pot 
that Francis is stirring and where she goes, it's excellent for the pause. Like we, they never say what that is in the movie. And I always wonder what it was, but then they say it in the book. So right. I think it's just like a nice little nod to the book, even though they don't really explain it in the yeah, movie. I agree. I know you can right? see other things like floating around in there, but it's like a witch's cauldron, yeah. you know, it's just playing into that stereotype, which is cool. But if yeah. it is lie, girls are hovering right over that steam pot. So Francis is like excellent for the pores. That'll freaking melt your lungs off like what yeah oh man all right this is a knowing fun what, job we have <laughs> now knowing what we know about lie like definitely not don't do that if you if don't do that in your kitchen no <laughs> so i go on to say here also just like in the book the pot is then poured over the grave to get rid of jimmy once and for all the main difference between the film and the book here is that in the film they still have to exercise jimmy's spirit from jillian and sweep his ashes out of the house and back to his grave before dumping the pot on it mm-hmm. in the book jillian is never possessed possessed by jimmy so no such exorcism occurs that's the only difference and i've noticed too in the movie like you, if you watch like when they pour onto the ground you can kind of see the ground like mush Bubble. itself in like it yeah. settles in and kind of concave fashion it's really cool yeah so yeah so there are some like little remnants of the book like little knots to the book which i think are really cool Mm -hmm. um even though they never fully explain all that but Mm -hmm. another thing i want to mention about the movie and what i think is a cool little twist that you might overlook if you're not a psychopath like me and don't like just (laughs) read into every single freaking thing but knowing what we know about lie and its use in soap making is it safe to say that the aunts have lie on hand not only to make the spirit be gone potion at the end of the film but also because it's hinting that they do in fact make placenta bars i would guarantee they're making placenta bars but like i just think it's like it's a nice little nod Mm -hmm. to the placenta to the uh black not only the black soap but going back to the rumor that the townspeople have about this placenta bars the soap making it the bars in general like they kind of like deny 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 through the whole movie and then at the very end once the townspeople are accepting of them then they bring out that lie and they're like huh well <laughs> you were right maybe we do make soap yeah. awesome. <laughs> or placenta bars mm-hmm. since, since we kind of like we're kind of kind of joining the two we we've made a connection between the two at this point i think yeah. Yeah. So I think it's safe to say that they, they kind of gave that little nod at the end of the film. Like, yeah, we do. We do make those placenta bars, which we did not have in the book versus movie because we didn't do our research as of the second episode we ever did. So that means I think we're going to have to maybe include another book versus movie later on. We've fallen down the rabbit hole. Like now that we're we're really falling down this rabbit hole, like all this, like we're making all these connections. And I just think it's so much fun but why don't you tell us a little bit did you pull some stuff up about uh fight club oh yeah let's i'll try to skim through it it's from uh edubirdie.com um it's a writing platform apparently it's it's the symbolism of soap in fight club and it doesn't have an author and for those of you who don't know what fight club is it was a 1996 novel by chuck palanek i think that's how you pronounce it and then it was made into a movie with brad pitt and edward norton meatloaf is in this fucking movie i know Bob has bitch tits. <laughs> My boy, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. It is. So right. Brad Pitt plays a character named Tyler. All right. Um, so in the novel, Tyler works at works several night jobs where he disrupts companies and harms their clients to display his contempt for the consumerist culture and um, corporatism. One of Tyler's jobs is soap making, where he creates expensive luxury soaps that he markets to high end realtors, who in turn sell to high end 
customers. Tyler despises wealth and vanity that characterizes the upper, upper class society and explains that his soap making venture is an act of resistance um, and cleansing because it cleans and renews the morality corrupt uh, members of society. Tyler explains to the narrator of the novel that ancient civilizations, it, it does go on to tell a little bit about the soap, but just to for context, the yeah. ancient civilizations would make human sacrifices and the runoff from the furnaces would be discharged into the water sources like rivers. Tyler explains that the discharges from the human sacrifices contained lye um, that would make clothes cleaner from the water from any part of the river's course. The locals then used the discovery of lye to invent soap that is actually used to clean clothes. In Tyler's perspective, without human sacrifice, there would be no progress in humanity. And he tells uh, the narrator, you have to see how the first soap was made of heroes. So in Fight Club, soap and soap making have been used as a manifestation of cleaning and renewal. Tyler explains that the process of manufacturing soap is brutal and demands sacrifice because animals have to be slaughtered in the process and their bodies harvested to generate the state of cleanliness. The process of soap making thus signifies the brutality that exists in the world, etc., etc. In the narrator's world, soap has a crucial role, and Tyler's description of the manufacturing process takes a sinister toll, a sinister tone when he talks about glycerin, which can be weaponized by mixing it with other compounds. Tyler says that you can mix the glycerin with uh, nitric acid to make nitroglycerin, which is the compound that oh, that was the burning effect. So again, he he like kisses. Edward Norton's hand and the saliva is reacting to the nitroglycerin, I guess. Oh. The narr oh pff. the narrator demonstrates um this nature when he starts burning oh, this has spoilers, guys. He starts burning a hole in his own hand and move that is symbolic of the theme of sacrifice in the book. Um so that character, they end up like dumpster diving, I guess, outside of um liposuction clinics to use that fat. Um, from the bins and then they return to the laboratory to prepare soap. They turn that whole house into like a soap making processing right. Plant, right? Tyler claims that with enough soap, you can blow up the world, thereby underpinning the importance of soap and make in the making of world anew soap has been used as a large scale cleanser for tearing down the whole world to rebuild it afresh he recounts how soap became an explosive material that could be used to instigate terrorist attacks in a scheme called project mayhem that would see the destruction of a financial institution etc cetera, etc cetera. so they have a different symbolism for this movie and there is a whole scene you know right quite a few scenes right with the soap making the soap making yeah but what is this soap does the soap actually have anything to do with the actual fight club with the fighting is there a correlation between the soap and the fighting i don't remember yeah i don't remember it's I'll been link. a while since i've seen it it's it was quite the um essay so yeah i was trying to skim through it very interesting though i need to let's we should watch that movie again add that to our list on our discord all right i'll do that right now but that's all we have for as far as references to the book and the movie and the kind of co the correlation between both between the soap and the placenta bars anyway i think i think it's synonymous yeah i agree i agree all right guys it's about that time we take our short break and when we come back we are going to be talking to laura den hertog from enchanted journal and we're going to be discussing all the ins and outs of her black soap making inspired by practical magic so stick around hey we're the stinas and you're listening to the magnolia street podcast Guys, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We are going to do a card pull from the Inner Witch Oracle deck. Do you have your deck ready? I do have my deck. Hold all right, on. let's do let's us take... a shuffle. All right, can you hear this at all? 
Okay, stop. Would you look at that? Rosemary. Isn't that one of the things they put in the, in the black soap? You are correct. Ha! Huh, look at that. How about them apples? How about that um, rosemary? How about that rosemary? <laughs> All right, where's my book? Let's see. It says, did we have we pulled rosemary yet up to this point? We have not. Let me double yeah. check. Nope. Wait. All right. I love a new fresh card. <laughs> so the keyword on this card is purify. Purify, heal, and remember. Purify. Yeah. So when rosemary comes into your reading, it is time to cleanse and purify. Don't hold on to things or people that are not beneficial to you and your path. Let go and rid yourself of unnecessary energies. Be wise and take notes of what you are purifying and why. This insight can help you to continue to grow. Basically what soap does, right? It's a cleansing agent. So rosemary is used in magical practices to aid in remembrance, cleansing, and purification. This herb also aids in mediation and is known to help ward away evil spirits when placed under your pillow or above your bed. Oh, okay. So maybe ridding themselves of Jimmy's spirit. Maybe that's why they put in their black soap. Um, (laughs) Utilize this wonderful herb in whichever way calls to you. Utilize the card and repeat the affirmation to enhance the magic. And the affirmation on this card is, I remember, I cleanse, and I heal. Wow. Jillian needs that affirmation. That reminds me (laughs) of the baby believe me. Almost like that's her like cathartic yeah uh like battle cry a release right Mm -hmm. she's going she's remembering it she's processing it she's letting it go yeah cool dude again going back to like we always seem to pick the perfect card for our episode amazing it reminds me a lot of the blood moon episode we just did of just about like sensing out who has your best interest in mind and being able to process and let go of those who do not serve your best and highest self exactly 100 percent. can i get an amen amen All right, man. So I think we're just, we're about to dive into this interview. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's talk to Laura. Let's go. Let's just explain to our listeners that we have been stalking Laura since we started the podcast pretty much. Um, She creates some beautiful black soap, practical magic inspired black soap. She creates all the beautiful bath and body products. Here we go. Buckle up, everybody. All right. Buckle up, buttercup. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. How are you? Welcome. Thank you for coming to hang out with us for a little bit. Ah, uh, no problem. I'm really looking forward to it. Aww. We were too. Yeah. We've been stalking your Instagram since October. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been stalking yours too, so it's all good. Aww. Oh my gosh. You are just incredible. Oh my yeah. goodness. Your talent is oh. out of this world. Oh well, thanks, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um I wanted to before we start, I wanted to tell you how excited I was when I saw you guys putting together like I I watched your build up to the launch of the podcast. And I was just like, oh yes. You know, it was at that point, around that point where I realized how incredibly popular the books and the movies are. Yep. I mean, wow, right? Who oh. knew? You know, when I started making my little soap, I did it because, you know, I love practical magic mm-hmm. and have since, you know, forever. But I had no idea how widely loved it is. It's amazing. So anyway, I'm really thrilled that you guys are doing this. And I have been listening to the podcast I'm a little behind. Yeah, it's because, you know, it's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> They're so very lot. long episodes, we know. We were just A, outraged, but B, like thrown back that nobody had done a podcast yet. Yeah. And there were so, I know 
Alice has written the four books and it's, you know, that was it. We're like, there's gotta be more. Mm -hmm. And we know there's so many creators out there with this amazing talent that just keep this story alive in their own way. So we're super excited to get to talk about your way of keeping the story alive. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. 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 All right. Awesome. All right. Justina, could you give our lovely guest a proper introduction, please? All right. So we have a special guest in, I was going to say in the studio for you on guys. Magnolia studio. <laughs> Uh, on Magnolia Street. That's right. We have a special guest today. We are so excited. This is the very first special guest we are having on the show. So uh, we would like to warmly welcome Laura Den Hertog. She is a Canadian-based artist who we found through her Practical Magic-inspired Black Soap mm -hmm. on Instagram. However, Laura is an immensely talented fine art painter whose work has been revered by art critics and is in public and private art collections across the USA, Canada, and Europe. In her recent years, her focus has shifted to include producing art and products in tandem with nature. She creates medicinals, creams, scented oils, and of course, black soap. So, Laura, thank you for coming to Magnolia Street today. We warmly welcome you, and uh, we are so excited to have you today. I'm really excited to be here, and gee, I didn't know I was yes. your first guest. Yeah. No, no pressure. No. <laughs> Um, so we have a few questions for you, but I think one of the questions we want to know is like, how did you come to find Practical Magic and when, and did you read the books first, movie first, and your your feelings about that? And then we'll get to the list of other questions. Well, I'm a um, little bit older than you guys. So I actually read the book way back in the day, you know, uh -huh. when it was published and I got it from the local library and um, the movie, you know, I... I don't know if I saw it the year it came out, maybe, but I just loved it. I mean, I have I have owned over the years every possible format the movie's ever been put out in. So I had a VHS <gasps> tape. I had DVDs. Um, for a while, I even, don't tell anybody, <clears throat> had a, a pirated version <laughs> so that I could watch it online. And now I just own it on uh, uh -huh. Prime. Yeah, I yeah, big fan. How how old were you when you read it? Um, I would have been in my early thirties. So small children, at home mom, working at home. Right. Yeah, it's such a beautiful movie to just like romanticize, like just that house, right? Like you just want to live in that house. You just want to be on Magnolia Street. You know what? The movie makers, but also Alice Hoffman, I think yeah. she really tapped into like a universal thing when she chose her setting, chose the house, all of the details, both in the movie and in the book about that house and where it's situated and all of that. Who doesn't mm -hmm. want to live there? Right? right? Yeah. Don't you yeah. just want to live there? That day we yeah. hit the lotto, man. Yeah. The house is going I know. up. We're going to open Seriously. that Airbnb. <laughs> here's, a, here's a true confession for you. And it's not, okay, yes, I've always been a fan of practical magic, but when I went house hunting, I wasn't thinking practical magic, okay? I was just, my sister and I, I my kids grew up, I they were out on their own. I had gone through a divorce. My mother had passed away. And I lived in suburbia and I wanted out of suburbia. And so did my sister. And we're very close yeah. and always had been. So we decided we were going to make our great escape mm -hmm. to the country. And we started to look for houses and we looked at all sorts and we knew the area we wanted to be in. The day we came to see this house, we just knew. And it wasn't until it's a really cool place. It's a Victorian farmhouse. That's awesome. 
on a couple of acres with uh, the Ottawa River in the backyard. It's a ways away, but it's down there. Um, it's it's a truly spectacular place. Yeah. And it's also a little bit funky. It's, you know, the trim on our house is blue, purple, oh, and fun. orange. Anyway, so you can understand we just fell in love with the place. It's just so friggin' perfect. But it wasn't until I started doing the soap making thing and all of that, like the practical magic thing, that I realized how similar the house oh, really? is. Not only is the house very similar in its situation and its look, but I'm living here with my sister. Yeah. That's amazing. Right? That is inherently <laughs> like, witchy. Whoa, right? That was a That's little amazing. mind blowing when I realized that. I was like, now oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. You manifested your very own Magnolia Street. That is amazing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. so I'm living the dream, girls. You are. That is yeah. incredible. Goals. And the suburbia that you mentioned, if y'all go to Laura's website and read her about the author. Oh, it's hilarious. The very first thing is I got the cops called on me a lot. And I was like, I'm hooked. I got to read this. <laughs> Fascinating. Oh, yes. My neighbors really couldn't handle all the things I was always doing. I was, you know, doing creative pursuits and, yeah. you know, all sorts of witchy things too. Although... I mean, that wasn't public, you know, but still, anyway, yeah, I got in trouble a lot. Just, you know, color outside the lines and, and suburbia does not like that. What did the cops have to say about it? You know what? They were so sweet. I had a neighbor who would call them. I don't know. Every time I stepped out the door, she'd be like, I don't like how she's dressed. Call the police. Oh, oh my God. goodness. So they showed up a lot and I, I get to know them. So towards the end, you know, they they'd show up and they'd go, hi. Hi. (laughs) And he goes, you know, I'm really sorry, but we have to investigate. So here I am. I can see that what you're doing is perfectly safe and fine. Bye. See you next time. (laughs) See you next time. (laughs) They're like, we'll be back. Yeah. Very apologetic and sweet about it. So it's fine. Yeah. Your neighbors were like, she's out there making placenta bars. (laughs) Oh, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. For instance, I built a tree house for my kids. And uh, yeah, that was so fun. What a great project. Anyway. But they didn't like that. They had to look at it. And I had situated it so that they looked at the ass end of it. Thank you very much. You know, like the the building had its back turned to these people, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so the police showed up. And I'm like, Ugh. Anyway, I was fine. And I, you know, I built a, a fire pit in my backyard for ceramics mm-hmm. <laughs> as a kiln, you know, for mm-hmm. ceramics. Because I was teaching my kids about, you know, where ceramics come from and all. And I wanted them to see the process. So... We we had taken, I took out, my friends and I took our kids out and we went and dug up clay and then they got to make little pots and then I wanted to fire it. So I had made this pit so that they could fire their pots. Well, there were the police again, <laughs> right? Every time I did anything, I swear. She's over there making pipe bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you were able to find your little Magnolia Street and put those days of yeah. suburbia behind you. Absolutely. To do everything you want to freely and just create freely without people breathing down your neck. And we're so happy you found that. You know, out in the country, there are no rules. Right. So when we first got here, we wanted to put up a fence for the dogs. So I went down to uh, the town hall to ask, you know, what are the rules about fencing? And she just looked at me like, what? (laughs) It's your property. (laughs) Do what you want. It's your property. You can do, she said, unless you're adding a building, we really don't need to know. I was like, oh my God, freedom. I can do anything I want. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. How does your, how does your sister feel about your, your creations? And does she 
feel does she have a connection to practical magic at all with you um you know what she's not so much connected to practical magic but she is a very magical person i call her the weather witch so yes so she's it's no problem at all she loves it and she's like super supportive and awesome so why do you call her the weather witch can she she predict the weather like what is yes she can but and i keep telling her you know you just one step further and you could change the weather for us that would be really really handy but so far she hasn't (laughs) had much success trying that practice (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly exactly um, so I guess we'll, we'll start off with some of these questions. So when did you first get the burst of inspiration to recreate that famous Owens Black soap? Ah, uh, well, when I started reading, um, Magic Lessons, Alice Hoffman's third book, mm-hmm. right? So third book. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I started reading it and, and I was like, oh my God, there are actual yeah. recipes in here. And I know, cause I've been an herbalist like forever. So like, I can tell when it's, a real recipe and when it's someone just made it up so clearly uh, look I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say Alice Hoffman is friggin brilliant and I'm just gonna assume that whatever recipes she's publishing are either are historically correct Mm -hmm. based on Mm -hmm. fact right so Mm -hmm. I'm reading the book I'm like wow this is so cool and then I get to the the black soap where she's learning about the black soap and she and I was just like (laughs) oh my god there's a recipe for black soap mm-hmm. you know yeah so I, just, I that's where the idea got born and uh it took me a while to figure out how I was going to do it and to actually begin producing the soap like right. to get it the way I wanted it and all of that um but that's yeah I was like wow I had to like keep stopping myself of thinking about the soap oh while God. reading the book uh-huh. it was just calling to you it was like this needs to be done exactly my you know part of my brain was going oh you know what you could do and oh I have an idea and I'm like shut up I'm trying to read this book yeah yeah it's a fun thing when inspiration just kind of takes over and just like it has its own kind of like path and course for you and absolutely it just kind of like manifests itself I always because I'm an artist so you have to understand that and you have to learn with time that not every idea is a good idea (laughs) that's a hard one because I get so many yeah. ideas that I often have to go look not every idea is a good idea but some ideas come so bright and shiny that you they just they won't leave you alone this mm-hmm. was one of those ideas oh. so yeah that's that's where it started so thank you <laughs> how, how long ago did you start making this uh I think it's been about a year and a awesome. half something like that let's talk about your beautiful packaging and your labels do you do those yourself like what was the inspiration behind the visuals and do you design the labels yourself or do you outsource a lot of the digital work? no I do everything myself oh, I love that I do everything myself <laughs> I'm a one-woman show very cool do you have a Virgo sign at all it are you a Virgo I do not I'm a Capricorn uh-huh. and uh I have okay really I don't do astrology so I I only know that either my rising or moon is okay. in cancer. Okay. But I, to be perfectly honest, I thought moon and rising was the same thing. So That's okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, but my mother used to be into it. And, but what I do remember is that she always told me that it was good because it's a good balance mm-hmm. because it's the opposite end of the year, right? Capricorn That's and true. cancer. 
Yeah. Okay. She told me, but then she was my mom. She was going to say nice things, right? <laughs> <laughs> so did you just have a birthday then? Yes. Happy, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. That's amazing. Yeah. Your art, by the way, it's not surprising that you do all your own stuff. Your style, like all your fine art stuff is goals. Oh, thank you. It's exactly, I've like stared this, all your stuff down. It's stunning. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. I love how clean like your labels are and they just look very like just clean and like that apothecary kind of style that Sally kind of had going in the Verbena shop. And it's just very reminiscent of the actual Owens aesthetic. It's just perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. I think, um, I don't even know, to be honest, where those ideas originally came from. They sort of, you know, let's just call it the muse. Yeah. They just sort of, you know, ideas would pop in and I'd be, yeah. So it was really for me always when designing as opposed to painting, but when I'm just designing something like a label, what I'm really going for is the right feel. So it's a matter of finding the elements that give me the right feel. So especially for the soap, that was really important. And it's, for me, it was very much a, you know, I had in my mind Maria's grimoire and I had in my mind how old the soap recipe is because it actually, even in the books and write, it predates her, right. this soap recipe. Yeah. So I wanted it to have a, a historic look. So that's really, that was my jumping off point. Okay. And that's how I ended up with that apothecary feel and the, you know, all of it. That That's how I ended up with that look. Beautiful. Was the bird a subconscious thing? Because... I, I always thought that you put the bird on there associated with Caden, right? Uh, Maria's familiar? Right. Is that a yeah. subconscious no, thing? No, you know what? I It was absolutely a subconscious thing. It wasn't intentional. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's yeah. even better because it's like it was supposed to manifest that way. Exactly. Exactly. It just it came together on its own. That happens to me a lot, actually. I love when that yeah. ha- those like little happy accidents. Isn't it the best? Yeah. They're so fun. Yeah, exactly. They're so fun. Yeah. It sounds like you're at, like a one woman show over there. Do you like are you printing all of these packages yourself or do you have a yeah. how do you how do you design them? Are you using a certain software? What do you like to use? I'm using Photoshop mostly. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, but you have to understand that, that in college I studied um, commercial arts mm-hmm. now. Okay. When back in the olden days, when I went to college, there weren't even computers yet. Okay. I mean, there was, you know, there were, that didn't exist. We did everything by hand, but basically my background is still in commercial arts. So that means, you know, all of the design stuff and all of that, you know, I'm trained in it. So yeah. And I always kept up with it. You have like a leg up on everybody else's. You've had to do it from scratch. Yeah. I was just going to say like, as an artist, it helps so much to have a background in some kind of graphic design because outsourcing that stuff can get really expensive. And if you have that skill under your belt, like Christina just said, you have a leg up, you could just keep everything in house and it's a lot more affordable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I have complete control over the look I don't have to argue with anybody about making changes right yeah. just myself yeah yeah I mean it should be perfectly honest I love doing it oh I know is it I mean, fun I'm having a very good time here I love doing it. <laughs> well that's the most important thing having fun right yeah yeah I was gonna ask how many like soaps do you do at a time I guess at the moment the most that I can produce in a day is 20 because I don't have a whole lot of equipment okay but I prefer to do just 10 in a day so it's not they're not large amounts I actually just before I came on the call with you guys, I thought I should go and see how many soaps I've actually sold. 
like all, you know, through, through my Etsy shop. So it's 156 soaps I've sold so far. Wonderful. I was like, wow, a lot of soap. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you typically get a lot of Practical Magic fans that are purchasing your items or is it just people that just want your black soap? No, it's all Practical Magic fans. Bringing, bringing us together. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I'm telling you, seriously, that's what I was trying to say to you. I was already in this like, oh my God, it's not just me, uh-huh. right? Because I had like a year and a half ago, I had started selling the soap and then I branched out into all sorts of other things that were practical magic inspired. Right. And the nice thing about selling on Etsy is that people can talk to you. So you're, you know, the people, your customers can, you know, send you messages and all of that. And it was through that, that, that experience when I started out that I realized how many people just adore Mostly the movie, you know, more than the books. Although the people who are buying the soap obviously read the books too, because the soap's not even in the movie. Right. Major oversight, but oh well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were we were comparing the the soaps in the book to the placenta bars in the movie. Like, there's got to be some kind of connection there because the placenta bars is what in the movie the townspeople say keeps the aunts looking young. That's right. why they right. don't age. Yeah, that's what I'm. They they kind of they drop the ball on that one. I think. Yeah. In my humble opinion. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you said. I think you said in your email that you don't use the lie, right? You don't use use lie? No. Okay. So here I was all excited about making soap, right? And I'd made soap before, but I'd only ever make glycerin soap. I'd never gone down the lie route. Lye is caustic. Mm. So it's it's literally a dangerous chemical, especially when you mix it with other things. You know, soap bars bars lye soap is it's a chemical reaction. So if you're going to make lye soap, you have to be really careful. You have to know what you're doing. So if you're going to do it indoors, for instance, you're going to do it like with a gas mask on because it's not just don't get the stuff on your skin, but don't inhale it wow. because it's it would be literally caustic in your lungs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yikes, right? Yeah. Or you do it outdoors, which of course is, you know, what they used to do. They used to just do it outdoors. Um. Anyway, so I thought, okay, this is like, that's going a step too far for me, mm-hmm. you know, because I never learned how to do it. And I, I it just, it felt like too much. However, I really wanted to stay true to the original recipe. So in the original recipe, she uses ashes. She makes her lye from the ashes of Rowan and Hazelwood. Okay. So I thought, okay, well, I don't want to leave out the Rowan and the Hazel. So as far as I'm concerned, in order to be authentic, it's really important that you have the right energies present. So I thought, okay, I need to find a way to add the energy of Rowan and hazel. So I have rowan trees, of course. I mean, what witch's house wouldn't have a rowan tree, right? So I have rowan trees. So I, and it happened to be the right time of year where I could go and collect the berries. So I collected the berries and from my rowan tree, which wasn't nearly enough. So we had to go searching, <laughs> but that's okay. We're in the country. We went searching, we found rowan trees, picked the berries, dried them, ground them down and use them in the soap so that I have the, the energy of the rowan is in the soap. And for the hazel, I ended up using hazelnut oil because it turns out that hazelnut oil is also really good for your skin. And it's not, um, it's a very light oil. So it's the kind of oil like where, where if you were to put it on the skin on your hand, for instance, it would stay oily for like two minutes and then get absorbed in. So perfect, right? Because you're not going to get any residue yeah. from it and it's not heavy. So luxurious. Exactly. So, you know, the part of the process then is taking 
you know, for instance, the licorice infused oil. Well, I'm using this is the oil that I'm using as the base to incorporate into the soap. And the other big thing about not making it a lye soap is, okay, first of all, I think people, when they think about glycerin soaps, they think about those cheap and nasty soaps that you used to see at every, everybody sold this like horrible, I remember those. Pink, like just awful. Yeah. The base that I use for my soap comes from the UK, which I thought was a nice little, you know, tie yeah. back to the historic roots of the soap. That's right. Because right? it comes out of the UK. Because in Europe and in the UK, they do a lot of research for natural products. So this is like glycerin soap, but on steroids. It's not glycerin soap. It has it's soap that has glycerin in it. So that's my that's the base that I use. So I bring it in from there, and, and then I add my ingredients, and then I add my magic, and ya bada bing, ya bada boom. <laughs> so do you have any kind of like ritual that you do while you're making this? So like, do you do you do it during a certain moon phase? Like, I don't. I don't. Okay. I, you know what? I seriously, I couldn't do that. Because imagine if I only had one day a year where I could make soap, (laughs) you know, so no, I don't. What I do is I make sure that the soap that once it's created, that it gets touched by moonlight. Oh, beautiful. And I I think that that's just because I had this idea in my head about the moon and and making that tie in. So, but other than that, it doesn't matter what phase the moon is in, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. As long as it gets touched by moonlight at some point, I'm happy with it. Um, the other thing that I do is when I'm when I'm working on the soap in all phases, because it's many step process, I'm always working in sacred space. I always create sacred space before I begin so that my focus is on what I'm doing. You know what I mean? What are your favorite ways to create that sacred space? What do you what kinds of things? Do you do? Well, you know what I used to back in the day when I was really into witchcraft, um, I used to, you know, like like many, I assume many practitioners these days, you know, I would cast a circle and do all of that. Now, seriously, I don't need to do that anymore. Like, I don't need to go through the motions. I just, it's like, it just, it's a natural thing for me. So it's like a snap of the fingers. It's your second nature. Exactly. Exactly. But that's just, it's a practice thing, you guys, you know, it's because I've been at it so long that, that I don't need like tools and that sort of thing anymore. I can just go boom and sacred space. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm in my dome. You're I'm in my zone. bubble. And my yeah. bubble is sacred space, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Do you like to like burn any kind of like incense or set the mood? Like, do you like light candles? Do you incorporate any kind of like the presence of crystals? Music. Music? Like, what do you listen to when you create all of the, all the soaps? I don't. I don't actually. Okay. Yeah. I do when I'm doing art. I definitely. Music's a big part of that. Um, But not, no. Because I, you know what? My focus really needs to be on what I'm doing. Right. So all, all that other stuff is for me becomes a distraction. Okay. Like I don't have to want to worry about a candle burning or it's it's more like, okay, look, when you're doing herbalism of any kind, it's really important to be clean, right? So part of my setting up sacred space is is getting everything clean and ready. So I would say that that is probably the only part that feels sort of ritualistic that I'm aware while I'm cleaning up, clearing the decks to begin that that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm set, setting up sacred space at the same time that I'm making a clean space to work in. Do you use your own black soap to clean or do you have a special? Oh, no, I use my own soap. Sure. <laughs> of course. Of course I do. <laughs> yes. yes. Every every bathroom in the house has it in it. 
the kitchen sink has it. It's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Love so it. that's a good like segue into like, do you do any practices like in your everyday life? Like, do you consider yourself like a practicing witch or are you just an artist? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I don't think there's a big difference between being an artist and an herbalist and being a witch. That, I love that answer. I know. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's it, there's There's not really, for me, there really is no difference. So for instance, when I'm making art, any kind of art, whether I'm designing or just just in the process of making, doesn't even have to be art. And when I'm in the process of making, I'm automatically going into a slightly altered consciousness, right? Which is, it's like the precursor to meditation. And it's that space where you're very focused and all distractions fade away and you sort of open yourself up to whatever right so you you're letting you're 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 letting the muse flow through you and for me when you are practicing witchcraft in a more traditional way so if you're you know you're casting your circle and you're lighting your candles and you're using your crystals it's not to say i don't have candles and crystals i do i just don't use them anymore because unless i feel like it you know, it's more like on a whim, but my practice is much more internal these days. You know, it's all it's all sacred. In other words, whatever I'm doing, it's I'm going to be in that space that I used to have to. I, I used a lot of scent in the beginning. Um, I used music. I used I didn't use candles very much in order to get myself into that space. Right. Because when you're creating magic, you need to be coming from that space, that that slightly altered consciousness space. That's where the magic happens. Wow. But I did that for so many years that eventually I stopped bothering with the whole ritual part. That's really what happened. You know, over time, I, I sort of dropped the ritual and realized I don't need that anymore. But that's like I said, it's just practice. It's like becoming a good artist. It doesn't just get handed to you. It's practice, practice, practice. Mm -hmm. Right. The more you you do it the better you get at it and I believe that the same thing is true about witchcraft that's kind of what bothers me about when people are like oh you have such a talent like kind of but it's also a skill like you that's have to right. like any other muscle that's right. you gotta keep flexing it yeah working it yeah and you've got to make your mistakes and you've, you've got to be willing to explore ideas that maybe are outside of your wheelhouse mm -hmm. you know all of that that all adds up so you guys just telling you just just wait till you're older you're gonna be friggin fantastic <laughs> like that message because you're already doing it like you guys are doing it now but just wait it gets so much better oh my gosh it gets easier yeah <laughs> thank you and you even you even get to the point where you know for me when I started my art career I was I really kept all of my magical mystical weirdness outside of it hmm. because I wanted my art to be taken seriously and the art world is not about that mm -hmm. it just it just isn't. It's very traditional, but that took its toll on me, you know? So that's why, honestly, after 20 years of, of painting, 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 you know, the gallery system's kind of, it's failed now anyway. So it wasn't serving me anymore anyway. And that was sort of my kick in the butt to go. That and moving here. I mean, I moved here and nature started whispering in my ear and I was like, okay, I got to stop pretending. And honestly, the painting's just not doing it for me anymore. Just isn't. It's not authentic enough. Right. And so things like the inspiration for the black soap was, wow, a godsend. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude. It was. It was a godsend because it, it sparked off all sorts of other ideas too. Yeah. So you said that you go into like kind of like a meditative state while you're making the black soap. So do you get ideas for like other projects while you're making your soap? Like does other things come to you in that meditative state? Absolutely. Yes. And that's the whole point of it, right? That it's, it's because it's a creative process and then you're in that creative mode, right? Which, okay, just to bring this full circle, haha. Um, 
that's what I was trying to say about the witchcraft too, that witchcraft in its essence is a creative pursuit. It's really no different from any other creative pursuit. You are, if you're doing spell work, you're looking to create something new, right? So it's a creative pursuit. So it's for me that like, that's what I was trying to say, that it's all the same. So yes, when I'm in that space, all sorts of other ideas will be, will come flowing in and then I, you have to sort of pick and choose what's right. relevant and what isn't yeah that's hard it's hard to choose right like, it is how do you decipher what's a good idea from a bad idea yeah or does it just kind of like show itself like okay if it's a bad idea then you kind of kind of just like puts itself away <laughs> yeah but and yeah. also sometimes you get like just the edge of an idea like you can just see it in your peripheral vision but it's not whole yet uh-huh. and that always drives me crazy because I want instant satisfaction thank you very much show me the whole thing <laughs> I know don't we all <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> We're so guilty of that. We know it. <laughs> I'm looking at Justina when we started writing the music, oh the concept. God. She's like, now what? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. We wrote 20 songs in like a month and a half. And now we're like, what do we do with this? She's like, let's do a podcast. And then it took us, it took us like six months after the fact that we were like, all right, I guess we should start a podcast. Sometimes you just got to sit on an idea and it comes yeah. to fruition. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We sat on it for a That's while. That's right. And you've got to let it do and... And wait for that next bit of information, which for you was the podcast, right? Stew is always better the next day anyway. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a good analogy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Correct me up. Yeah. So I think you pretty much answered this question already, but we have, what are the challenges you face combining your art and magic together? Is it even a challenge or something that comes effortless to you? But I think you pretty much already answered that one. Yeah, it's pretty effortless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You just got to open that door and everything flows in. So, right, yeah. Yeah. So you're really into the soap, but is there other stuff that you love to make, like as far as like bath and body products go, or you said you're moving away from the painting now. So do you still do any kind of like visual art? I do. I still have collectors who um, commission me to do work. So actually I have a big one I have to work on at the moment. Can you say, can you say? Can you say what you're working on or is it a secret? No, it's not a secret. It's not a secret. Okay. It's, um, he actually wants, it's, it's not very exciting. Oh, sorry, Michael. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's, um, it's, a, it's going to be a large landscape that will have big sky, snow, some open water, trees. So it's going to, it's going to be about capturing probably sunrise, not sunset but over the snow it's kind of hard to describe but it's that magic hour when the light looks magical and it's reflected in the snow itself that's what i'm oh, capturing that's, that's so what i'm doing beautiful. oh no, no biggie, biggie at all, right? no pressure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. um so i am an artist too you were talking about how the art world doesn't really want like witchy stuff or like weird stuff they want more traditional stuff and i'm trying to gear up for an art show in may and it's one of my first in a, like a really long time and my mom was like well people like this and people like this I was like, if they don't buy it, I have to keep it. And I might as well do stuff that I like. And um, I'm actually, you'll like this. I'm trying to work on um, a big landscape of Practical Magic House by the ocean during a sunrise. Wow. So I still need the underpainting is the brown yeah. bits. Yeah. Like gold leaf on on the shore. And I'm going to add in like the house. Beautiful. So that's what I'm working on. But I need to take a break because I have other stuff that I need to. It's coming out really good, Christina. Thank you, darling. That's awesome. Thank you. Do you have an art website? Uh, all my stuff's on Instagram. I don't even have like a portfolio. <laughs> it's just on Instagram. Okay. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. Okay. But I don't do, I don't think I follow you just like you oh, on Instagram. Let me Where are you on Instagram? Um, it's Seca Artistry. 
Okay. I'm going to let you guys talk while I go check the dogs. So let me... I also have a couple Instagram pages. My personal one is Justina's World Official, and then I have an art one, Bohemian Magic Studios. Are you making art too? Yeah, yeah. I make, I do art, I do music, I do a little bit of everything. Well, the music, of course, I knew about because you guys talk about it on the, the podcast, but I didn't know about art. That's so exciting. We got a Zoom full of artists. Sure, I am yeah. nattering on about art, Jesus. You no, 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 not at all. You guys are we love the perspective. No, we want to know everything about you yes. today. This is about you. Okay. We talk well, enough about ourselves on the show regularly. We don't need to talk about ourselves. Anymore. I don't, you know what? That's not true. I actually had some questions. I've completely forgotten them now. But I did have some questions I wanted to ask you guys. Any about yourselves Because, you know, anyway, when they come back to me, I'll ask. Yeah, we'll circle back. Justina is always like encouraging about like, yeah, no, people have to know context. They do want to get to know us. And I'm like, no, just tell them the information. Just they don't want to know about us. And she's like, no. I promise they do. You know what? You're wrong. Totally. Okay. This is like how to be an artist 101. All right. This is, you know, this is the wisdom of the ages. Okay. You ready for it? Yep. Yep. The most important thing is that you connect and let people see who you really are. Mm. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. It's more important than the art you've created. The art you've created is going to find the right person anyway. So long as you're willing to show it, the right person will find it. But the right person also has to feel yeah. connected to you. And right. people can't feel connected to you unless you are willing to be vulnerable. We're already artists, so we don't think it's a big deal, right? Yeah. Like, it's, that's just who we are. And, you know, we've been that our whole lives and it's no big deal. For everybody else out there who's not an artist and doesn't have a creative bent, we're like these mystical beings that they would really like to rub up to. So I would say when you're doing your podcast, absolutely talk about making art. Absolutely okay. let people know. Because when you do that, you allow them into your world. It's really important. You got to let them in. Did she just become our Aunt Laura? <laughs> our auntie? <laughs> she did. <laughs> you have been crowned our new Auntie Laura. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Eh? You're just so, it's wonderful <laughs> to have Laura. your genuineness and your compassion and guidance and wisdom. It's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, you guys have to understand too that you're on this amazing path. I mean, you know, you're on the same path I was on. So, and even right down to, you know, the combining of magic with art. Like yeah. in, like I said, in my art career, I I kept it separate because I thought mm -hmm. that's what I needed to do. And then it, it started to find its way in anyway. And it, and then I segued into making other things because that's where my interest was mm -hmm. at this stage in my life. Right. No. It reminds me of like in Rules of Magic when Alice writes about how the aunts always tell the girls like you can't run away from who you are. Well, Isabel actually said it to, to the aunts first. You can't run away from who mm -hmm. you are. Yeah, it's exactly. Catch up to you. And it will catch up to you and yeah. it will come and bite you in the ass if you ignore it for too long. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I went through my own experience with that. Like for in my early 20s, I, I kept it separate as well with my music. Like I kept everything separate. And yeah. now coming back to it, like I've just started exploring my musical side again. Thanks to Christina. <laughs> but like now we're going down this path together and it's like really fun exploring, exploring it again. And now this time coming at it from a magical perspective and it just seems like it fits and it's so much more comfortable now than it ever was yeah isn't that amazing it is it's it a is. blessing it is a blessing it is yes it's 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 funny you know it's a word that i always hesitated to use because it sounds religious yeah. and i'm so not but for me a blessing 
I like the concept of a blessing. You know, it's something that comes out of the blue that like touches your life and makes it better. Mm-hmm. That's a blessing. I grew up in a Dutch family. It's my heritage is Dutch. And um, in, for a lot of people in Holland, my, my parents immigrated to Canada, but they do not uh, baptize mm. their kids. They believe because there's a good reason for it. I love this. Okay. A mantra for me because they believe that the children should be allowed to decide for themselves whether they want to be a part of a church so that's how I was raised without religion other than you know what I learned in school and going to church for uh girl guides well it's girl scouts for you guys but for us it was girl guides so it's like a brownie you know church what is this (laughs) should I be worried Christina and I both grew up in pretty strict Catholic upbringings, and mm-hmm. it, I think it kind of traumatized gives us way more bit. to talk about on this yeah. show. Oh, I know. I know. It's so much fun to talk about all the trauma. <laughs> you know what we mm. call you guys? We call you re- recovering mm-hmm. Catholics. Yeah. Recovering Catholics, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like they... there's still a lot of unresolved trauma, but I mean, we're t- we talk about a lot of it on the show, and it mm-hmm. is very therapeutic. Yeah, that's really good, though. That's really yeah. good, because you, you get to work out for yourselves yeah. what you want to keep and what you want to discard what was more importantly what was truth and what wasn't Mm -hmm. right if it didn't ring true guess what it's not (laughs) the distinct smell of bullshit exactly 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 when I was um in my questing years so mostly through my 30s I checked out pretty much everything and what barometer other than your intelligence do you have well my barometer was does it read true or not right and the other interesting thing about doing that was that you you see the common thread you know there are common threads in what we believe that allow you to see truth a little more clearly you can pick it out from Mm -hmm. any system any religion any magical system there are certain things they all have in common and that was very eye-opening for me they were amazing years and there was definitely just to bring things back to where we started definitely the whole feel of practical magic stayed with me through all of that I think I probably dabbled as an herbologist because of the Ravenna store I mean I didn't realize it at the time but I'm pretty sure now when I look back yeah that's probably oh my gosh that's so funny (laughs) oh my god Alice Hoffman wrote my fucking life what did and you said you had picked up the book did did you have children at the time yeah it must have been interesting to read about like this magical life with a mother of of young children absolutely oh my kids grew up in a very magical household amazing yeah yeah we did fairy gardens and you know all that stuff do you think her depiction of her girls was accurate (laughs) for people who don't have kids how did you feel about the little ones being introduced or not introduced to like the magic around them? Oh, I think it's really important to introduce them to. The, I, first of all, I think they see the magic anyway. Mm-hmm. And you either allow that or not. I think that that's what it boils down to. Mm-hmm. You, you, that's your choice as a parent. You're either going to allow them to be the magical little beings that they are or not. Or you can snuff it. Well, I didn't snuff it, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so they're open to being, seeing and telling me all of their experiences because they couldn't possibly have experiences any weirder than my own. You know what I mean? It couldn't, they couldn't go further out than I'd already gone. Yeah. So there was nothing where I was going to go, Oh my God, this is creepy. This smacks of witchcraft. No, no, it was all like, that's okay. Let me explain to you what happened. And you know, wow, that's wonderful. And that way they're not sneaking, making like poison syrup in the pantry with their aunt. (laughs) No, None of that. None of that going on as far as I know. They're not going to Renaissance Fair asking for Belladonna. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'll never forget the first Renaissance Fair I went to. I was like, 
oh my God, this is amazing. It changes your life. Yeah. Oh my God, it did so much. Wow. Wonderful. Yeah. I have a question. I remember one of my questions Okay, <laughs> for you guys. Who owns red boots? I just bought my first pair in Salem <laughs> yeah. in October. <laughs> in Salem, mind you. And I, I'm pretty sure I walked the same steps where maria That's walked amazing. on essex street i'm so. pretty sure you did i bet you did didn't you I find did. it okay maybe i'm wrong i went to salem once and i was so creeped out really oh yeah i think we were in did we go to a cemetery there's a cemetery there right old burying point yeah it's the oldest uh cemetery in salem yeah i just yeah. really two things okay two things struck me i did not like the vibe of the history for obvious reasons right like it made me uncomfortable mm -hmm. um and then I we went into a few of the shops and nothing against the good folks of Salem but the witch shops were really touristy mm. you know and I that bothered me a lot but that was a long time ago so maybe it's better now I don't know I, maybe a while ago because like the first time I went was in 2012 and there is like a little string of like touristy stuff like if you stick stay on like Derby Street yeah but I feel like now like real practicing pagans and the pagan community is kind of starting to overtake Salem. So a lot of it feels a little more authentic. That's now. fantastic. That's really yeah. good. We gotta go back. <laughs> we'll give it another, oh, give it another chance. Give it another is that where we're all yeah. going to meet when we have a live show? <laughs> yeah. Let's put it out. Manifest. Let's put it out. Yep. Yeah. I will get some red yeah. boots right now. All of my boots are rubber because it's gardening, <laughs> you know, gardening, yeah. yes. someday I'll get the red boots. You will get them in Salem when we visit in October. Can they be rubber? <laughs> you want red rubber boots? Just kidding. <laughs> I have a few pairs of red boots. Uh -huh. I have red boots that are just because, of, okay. The reason I have so many is because I thrift shop. <laughs> That's how it's done. Because if I had to buy them, like I couldn't do that. But you yeah. thrift shop and you just watch for little gleams of red. <laughs> and they're already broken in. And they're already yeah. broken in. And um, you don't have to worry about trying to keep them pristine. Forget that. Who cares? I mean, I live on a mini farm, right? Forget that. Talk about rubber boots. And our boots are covered in muck. And oh. yeah. 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 So that's awesome. How many pairs do you think you have? I think I have three. Nice. It's <laughs> a good yeah yeah some like one there's only one pair though that are like like sort of leather shiny leather like that i would only wear out i wouldn't wear them on the property because eh, ruined <laughs> yeah i've only worn mine in salem and i think i wore them in my house for my halloween party because i was a red vampire this past year so that those are the only two instances i've worn them so far they're they're only coming out on special occasions uh, gotcha and they can't get ruined and are they are they like high-heeled lace-up boots they're like victorian style oh my god i'm so jealous yeah and they're red velvet they're very they're very beautiful oh my god <laughs> velvet oh my god and this the name of the store where i bought them was called die with your boots on cute wow that is so cute. adorable yeah i wanted to ask if you take your soap like on the road or like do you set up at any craft fairs or anything or is it mostly just on your site uh, just on my site but because just on my site is enough to keep me very very busy okay <laughs> so there's there's really literally no time left over for me to do shows gotcha yeah my daughter really wants me to do shows she's like i'll do them with you i'm like oh. i don't have time it's just such a headache and like i can't yeah if there ever was an opportunity at like a practical magic convention, would you ever? Oh, yeah. I'll be there awesome. with red boots on. With your red boots on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Amazing. Oh, you know what? You should you should just come up with all sorts of 
reasons to wear those boots. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's just so hard. Like in the winter time, there's nowhere to go right now. I was going to wear them around my house. <laughs> yeah. Just for the happiness factor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what other goodies can people find over at your Etsy shop? Well, um, at the moment, almost, almost everything in the shop is um, Practical Magic themed. I had started working with pressed flowers. I love it. And that's also, it's an influence that also came out of the UK where they, there's, there's this shop, I guess, called uh, Jam Jar Edit. And they do amazing things with pressed flowers. And I was seeing pressed flowers coming out of the UK in being used in interesting ways. And because I have this like colossal garden and lots of florals and all of that, and I have access to like wild meadows and they're like just exquisite flowers growing in the meadows. Um, so I started pressing flowers. So, and I had put up a few just pressed flowers in a nice frame sort of on my Etsy shop, early days, early, early days. Wow. And that year we just so happened to have, we had moved all of our lavender and it went bananas Love. and it just bloomed. And I swear to you, it was magic. It had to be because usually, you know, you 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 cut your blooms on a lavender plant. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'll get a second bloom. Yeah. Ours just kept blooming. Wow. And because I was into pressing flowers, I just started pressing all of them. So I ended up with a lot of pressed lavender. And here's, this is one of those muse moments, okay? Uh -huh. So as I'm pressing the flowers and smelling the smell and thinking lavender, 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 and Sally's um, quote is going through my mind over and over and over. Plant lavender for luck. Plant lavender. And I'm like, I got to go look up that that quote. So I look up the quote and then that just, whoop. Oh, God, I had ideas. Oh, my God. Now I know what I'm going to do. Forget everything else I was doing. So I started <laughs> to put together. It's a frame with Sally's quote. So that, you know, there are some things I know for certain that quote. And I, again, I went for that sort of vintage, almost antique yes. feel. So I used, yeah, that's it. So I used um, vintage paper. So slightly discolored papers. So beautiful. Beautiful. And I had an envelope open and I tucked in Sally's letter to Jillian in the envelope. And then I tucked in pressed lavender. I mean, I did it because I loved the idea and I wanted one. Right. And then I did another one and thought, well, I'll see what happens. I'll just put it up on my Etsy shop. And I'll, well, that took off. I mean, it took off. It was amazing. Just it, it took off as well as the soap did. And then, like I said, if people on Etsy talk to you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you get feedback from them or they ask for, you, could you make me one, but do this? And so I was getting all these ideas from the people who were fans mm -hmm. and what they wanted to see and, and that they loved the quotes and the whole thing. Amazing. Um, so now I have a version that's uh, the opposite. So it's mm -hmm. Sally's letter to Jillian on one side of the frame and in the envelope is the quote. Mm -hmm. So I've done it the opposite way because some people prefer to see that. Anyway, so and then I started playing with the other quotes from the movie because then I really took a deep dive into it. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the the quote from um, Aunt Frances, where she says, um, my darling girl. Yes. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I was like, oh, that's a quote for today. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a quote for all of the women who think they have to be a certain way. Right. Right. When they show themselves to the world instead of being their true selves, whether that's magic, artistic, whatever it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. I just thought that's so important for everybody to hear. So, of course, I had to make a frame quote with that quote as well. And then more recently, I came across, I, I, I saw a YouTube video and it was a girl. I watched it because it was about Etsy, her Etsy shop and how she got started. I don't even know what it was. So I started to watch her and then I realized, oh, she's talking about print on demand, which I was 
like whole new concept for me. And print on demand is, you know, where where you design something and then you have it printed for you. So it's printed on demand. Mm-hmm. So I started creating print on demand stuff. So for instance, now in my shop, there are mugs with the quotes. And I, I did like a whole a redesign of how I wanted those designs to look. They're much mm. more in keeping with the soap label, with yeah. that sort of a feel, because I really like that I look. I saw your his and hers mugs you posted the other day. They're adorable. Yeah. Adorable. Yeah. That's because someone just bought them at, and I was like, oh, that's such a good idea. I'm yeah, so okay. cute. Yeah. yeah. So now I'm, I'm designing, I'm actually working on all sorts of new stuff is going to be coming out because it's, it's opened up a whole big door for me from a design perspective. Yeah. Quick question. So yeah. you did the whole letter thing, like the shadow box, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Um, Have you ever considered making your own paper, like like handcrafting your own paper? I have actually made my own paper in the past, but. How was that experience? Did you enjoy it? It's messy no oh no it's very satisfying making your own paper is really satisfying but you put flowers in that too like crushed up flower bits and all stuff yeah you can put flowers in and oh all sorts yeah it's fabulous but you know what it's very time consuming yeah so from a you know business owner perspective not worth the time it's like making your own pasta okay oh, okay i'm italian so i completely get that that analogy <laughs> it's a pain in the ass <laughs> making your own pasta very satisfying and wonderful yeah right right and like all the hours later and then you know you have people over for dinner and it's all gone yep. no leftovers so what you're gonna do this again <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> a lot of work for very little reward i completely get that Exactly. I'm just cruising your Instagram and there's a midnight margaritas kit. Yeah. And oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, I actually discontinued it. Okay. I don't know if you can tell, maybe you can cause you're an artist, but how much work goes into that thing. Mm-hmm. It just like, I sold a lot of them. I sort of created it as something at a lower price point for gift giving. That was my idea. And I, you know, it was one of those ideas that had me by the throat. I, you have to do, I really liked the eye of Newt necklace. Okay. To me, I thought that was so funny. Yes. I think it's so cute. And so it's adorable. I have Newt charm, magic circle, salt, print of magic spell, recipe card and palmistry guide. Yeah. Like that's a, that is a snack. Yeah. That's a hookup. It's a lot. Exactly. And you know, when you look at it, you're like, oh, well, it's just a bunch of printed stuff. But it was, okay, first of all, I was making those necklaces from scratch myself. Wow. It was just so time consuming and fiddly mm. that I just thought, okay, I have to stop. I, I, maybe I need to either outsource it, but I don't want to do that. I, I just, I don't want my shop to be about that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It was, yeah. it was, that's a lot really of time consuming. Even just putting the box together, like all of that stuff that's printed, I'm printing. Mm-hmm printing it myself but that also means I'm doing the cutting and the folding and that all right. of that and really time consuming mm-hmm. oh I getcha I did I did a magical mail subscription box for my bohemian magic page for probably a couple years and it was like yeah I was printing everything myself I was cutting everything myself yeah packaging everything myself and like you know I was only including like I don't know maybe five to seven or eight items per package but like it's a lot when like even like just five people signing up I was like oh my god yeah I'm overwhelmed <laughs> if I stopped doing it that's right it's yeah and then you know well that's right because then it's not fun anymore either right right so yeah I'm, I um I only do stuff look I only ever produce even on the print on demand I'm only ever going to create stuff that I would have in my own home right so like the mugs I have those mugs I love those mugs you know what I mean and I'm doing right yeah. now I'm working on a tea towel Aww. okay so I did a design that's sort of like the salt. It's a sel de mer, so it's sea salt. 
but I decided to make it Celle de Sorciere because I had started designing in French. God knows why, but I did. So I made it Celle de Sorciere, so it's witch's salt. Okay. And I did this really, and I have this mermaid. You'll see it, and it's going to come out soon. I can't wait. Really cute. I really love it. And see, I would have that in my kitchen. <laughs> For sure. You know? And like, no matter who comes, they probably won't even notice that it says Sorciere, that it says witch. You know what I mean? So it's fine. It can go anywhere, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like slipping in those little subtle witchy references and like muggles have no idea what they're just walked into. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, I have a question about your, you have a spellbound skincare line. Yeah. This is coming out in March. Yeah. And you have a sale right now for February. I Are do. you going to be doing anything else through the year that we can tell people about ahead of time as far as sales? Don't have any plans. No, okay. you know, mostly a couple of things. First of all, all of the products are priced as low as I can get them already. Mm -hmm. So for me doing a sale, it's, it's just, it's not like I won't. Okay. I would much rather give people a really good value right off the mark. Perfect. Is the Spellbound skincare line like something that is continue? Is it still going on that you can tell us about? Oh, definitely. The Spellbound skincare line comes out of the black soap. Okay. It's the same recipe only applied to a cream and to a face serum and to a body serum. This oh looks God. heavenly. I want, I want a serum so bad. I, I, know. Gonna, I know what I'm doing. The other thing that I also sell that, okay, I'm just self-promotion here but because i think it's i think everybody should know about this stuff it's called balm of gilead and it's made with buds from poplar or cottonwood trees so in very early spring snow's still on the ground but these buds they're not even leaves yet okay they're just the buds for the leaves coming and they have um they have a resin in them that's what it is it's a resin and that resin has properties that are like truly amazing it was actually my sister who first discovered the bomb of Gilead. She told me about it and I started researching it. And I was like, oh my God, we have to make this stuff. And in my researches, I, I do a lot of scientific research as well, especially when it's something, yes, it's natural, but I want to know if any of it's been proven, right? All the claims that they're making about this stuff. And sure enough, there's been all sorts of scientific proof already out there for it. Anyway, it's, it's if you want something good for your skin. If you have any kind of trauma, whether it's a cut or a a bruise or a broken bone. Your little slicey slice. Well, I want to say real quick, Justina had an incident. I stabbed my finger the other but day. But Balm of Gilead is like heavily referenced throughout the books. And I think we're going to have an episode like later down the line. Can we have you back <laughs> to talk about your Balm of Gilead? Balm of Gilead is referenced in the book? It is, yeah. No. It is, it is. I do not remember that. <laughs> oh my God. She's going to go back and read all the books. <laughs> Look at you not even trying. Unbelievable. Yeah, I'll come back. Yes. Sure. Amazing. Awesome. Yes. Justina, we need that for your finger. I know. I stabbed my finger the other day and it still is like, well, not throbbing, but like That's whenever I brush it up against something, I see stars. So it just like re-traumas it. What did you stab it with? Cell phone I, well, case. My, my cell phone, my, the um, cover, the protective cover was cracking. And I guess I didn't yep. see it. It finally just like broke. And one of the pieces was sticking straight up and I went to grab my phone and it went straight into my finger. Like deep, deep cut, deep stab wound. <laughs> deep cut. It stabbed There's me on this left. finger and then it sliced this one. So it really, oh really God. did a number on me. It fucked up your day. <laughs> it did. Fucked up my week. Wow. That is not good. No. Like what you're describing about it's, you're seeing stars because it's so painful or because that's your body's reaction. Whenever I like brush it up, like hit, hit it on something, I guess it like, I don't know, it stirs the trauma back up from that step, the initial stab wound. Mm -hmm. And it's just really, it's just very painful. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of nerve endings in your fingertips. So yeah, the nerves yeah. are. Wow. It's not, it's not, it's not swollen though, right? It's not infected. No, okay. no, no. I, I put um, thing. peroxide on it right away and I've had Neosporin and I've had a bandaid like on and off all week. So it's, it's, 
it looks a lot better than it has looked. Like you could barely see it anymore, but like the I area, can barely see it. It's still very tender. So you need bomb of Gilead for sure. Yeah. yeah. Would bomb of Gilead be is it okay for animals? Like if your animal got a little abrasion on it themselves? Um I have used I've used on my animals. The only thing is that it has trace amounts of acylosalic acid. Okay which is the same uh, substance that's in aspirin. Okay. And we don't, I think aspirin is one of the things you cannot give animals. Okay. Right. But it's such a trace amount that I think probably like your big dog, that's a big body. Yeah. You know, he's a big boy. Yeah. He'd probably be all right. That's so cool. Yeah. But other than that, there's absolutely nothing about it that, yeah. Yeah. And it, okay. We're going to, we're going to talk about it another time, right? I'm going to shut up. We'll talk about it another time. I have a lot to say about (laughs) making it. Yeah, that's totally fine. We've come to realize like not everybody listens also in order. So somebody could be looking specifically later on down the line for right. Bomb of Gilead information and never have heard this. So it's we're totally fine. Okay, great. Good. Justina, do you have any more questions? I'm just looking at all of her goodies on her on her Instagram page that you got an Amas Baritas true love spell candle, which is adorable. I saw you had a tea on here before a meadow tea. Oh, the tea's gone. The tea's gone. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually drinking that tea. So it's just, it's my own blend. It's um, wild crafted red clover. So it comes from the fields right here. Um, field mint and calendula. That's, mm. That was the base for it. And today, because we're in the middle of winter, I've got evergreen needles as well. Oh, sounds lovely. Sounds Tell me you guys know about evergreen tea. I've heard of it. Uh, here it has lots of vitamin C. Right, that's right. That's right. But it's not just vitamin C. It's again, I did the research, man. And the am- amount of ways that the goodness of evergreen needles can change your healing and your life is truly amazing. It's another one of those. It's like Bomb of Gilead. Those are my two biggies that everybody should know about. Is there a certain type of evergreen? Yeah, I was just going to ask, because are there any like toxic ones you should just like not fuck with? Just for you guys, like not not for the podcast, but just for you guys, go on my on my main site, which is lauradenherdog.com. So, by the way, I fixed it up because I confused you guys. So I've changed it up. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, because it, it houses it houses the Enchanted Journal um, blog. Okay. And in the blog is a whole article about evergreen tea. Ooh. Oh, perfect. And it, it, including including what trees you you can use and what you can't. Awesome. Thank you. So you, then you can just get all that information that's right there. It's a great resource. Can we share that with? with our listeners of course okay cool of course it's that's why it's out there because i want people to know oh there it is yeah oh. amazing i can peek it i know i'm gonna go peep that do we have any more questions for auntie laura before we let her go auntie laura tell people where they can find you socials whatever you'd like to share okay so my etsy shop where you can buy soap and all practical magic themed inspired goodies you can find at enchantedjournal.com uh the enchanted journal blog which sort of kick-started all of this it's sort of my uh way of sharing all of my great experiences and magical experiences in my life at the farmhouse is at lauradenhertog.com my instagram is at the enchanted journal my tiktok is laura's enchanted journal and you can find enchanted journal on facebook as well and that that's all of it. Awesome. And we'll link all of that in our show notes. Okay. And we want Great. people to go see all of your amazing stuff. Thanks. Just blown away. And a sweetheart. And so wise. Yeah. You're a treat. Thank you so much for-, for Oh, thank um, you for hosting today. me. Oh, I hope you invite me back. I'd love to do it again. It's a date. Oh, for sure. Bomb <laughs> of Gilead. We're, let's do it. We're, it's, let's it's do it. Absolutely. <laughs>
It's a date that Gary says that. It's a date, Laura. Thank it's you. <laughs> Guys, it's been fun. Thank you so, so much. Have a All wonderful right, day. Man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. 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 How sweet was she? I love oh her. Oh my God. What a treat. What a treat that was to talk she, with her. Could you see my face? I was just like, like I had the little sad puppy dog face the whole time because she was just like talking to my little artistic heart. And you know, she could see us. I know. So we could see her. She was seeing our, she was seeing our little puppy dog faces the whole time. Our, our Jimmy stupid ass oh, faces. That was great. She's oh, wonderful. I can't wait to have her back. We have a new, we, we do have, have a new auntie. auntie. She's like, when she was talking, I was like, Aunt Jet, Aunt Jet, Aunt Jet. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. She was sweet. Yep. That was fun. I'm submitting. I'm just I'm like. like- smitten <laughs> oh okay, i'm including all of this yeah no yeah for sure she's wonderful absolutely skilled talented yeah that whole that whole line she has coming out oh, i just want it all i want it all it's nice to um just network with witches who have had some experience and who are only looking out for your best interest and just want to like guide you in the most mm-hmm. loving way. I don't know how else to explain it. All right. So actually we have a little extra treat for you from Laura. She sent us something after the fact. Again, we're kind of doing this out of order, but we want to make sure that all her information is out there. So we want to share with you just a little blip of what she sent us in an email. And Justine is going to take that away right now. She sent over her recipe, which she starts off by saying, Maria's original method for soap making is historically correct and depends on lye made from the ashes of Rowan and Hazelwood, which she told us in her interview, right? Lye is a caustic substance that must be used with great caution, but it does form the base for a chemical reaction that produces stable bars of soap. Early soap was fairly harsh, and these days, soap made this way is gentler through the addition of rich oils and butters. Here's the thing, she goes on to say. I never use a lye-based soap on my face. Even the beauty bar soaps of today that don't contain lye are too harsh and drying for my sensitive skin. So I made the decision to work with a gentle glycerin-based soap. I had made soap many times using this method with great results. Besides, I figured Maria or any woman from the past would have done the same if it were available to them. Now, she said, staying true. I might have brought the soap base into modern times, but I really wanted to stay true to the original recipe. I couldn't use Rowan and Hazelwood ash, but I could include the energy of these trees in my adaptation. So I collected the berries from my Rowan tree to add to my soap. Turns out the berries have awesome beautifying properties to go along with their magical reputation. And for the enchanted hazel tree, I turned to the nuts which produce a light, nourishing, and easily absorbed oil. It made the perfect addition to a natural plant-based soap. So what about the magic? The Owens family black soap has a reputation for transforming those who use it. It was said to make a woman appear younger by as much as 10 years. In fact, the long-lasting and legendary beauty of the Owens women is attributed to the soap. Now, who doesn't want a little of that? I may not be able to make that kind of promise, but every step made to produce the soap, from collecting the ingredients to packaging the finished bars, is done with intention and in harmony with the plants and trees who shared their gifts. The intention is to bring together these energies for healing and balance to reveal the user's innate beauty. Each bar Mm. is spellbound to deliver just that. I love that. I love that. I ended up with the soap my skin loves, and I like what I'm seeing in the mirror. I love the results from the soap so much that I decided to use the same botanical ingredients in a skin cream and face serum. I call these products spellbound because they rely on the same magical properties as the soap. 
I love the scent, the feel, and the results. Everything I make is plant-based, natural, and free of the nasty chemicals that are in a lot of skincare products. I also added a silver bullet to my serum in the form of Balm of Gilead. Oh my god, this stuff is the best, but that's a story for another day. I recently added a body serum to the collection for head-to-toe, happy skin. And this year, I made a spellbound body lotion for family and friends as a Christmas gift. Since they are already asking for more, I may offer it in the shop as well. And we talked a little bit uh, to her about, you know, coming off our future episode, if we touch on that balm of Gilead, that would be cool. Totally. Oh my gosh, it looks so just dreamy. I really, really want that serum. I've said it like multiple times already in the episode, but truly, truly, truly. So that's just a little something extra that Laura sent over about her Spellbound skincare line that is either coming out or has come out already. Do you, do you know if it's out already? I don't know, but go check out her site. She's Enchanted Journal. Yeah, yeah. Find her on Instagram. Yeah, it's on her site. Yep. So that's just a little, little bit, that little extra blurb Laura decided to include just in case she missed anything in the interview. Which we've talked about. Like, we'll, we'll talk about stuff and yeah. completely black out sometimes and just be on uh-huh. another planet. Yeah, we call it our podcast brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no worries, Laura. No worries, for sure. And what Auntie Laura said, going back to what she said about, you know, opening yourself up and being vulnerable and talking about our art and our music, which I feel like we're starting to do a little bit of. Yeah. We don't, though, like, say our personal Instagrams at the end of any of these You're right, we episodes. Don't. So I guess we'll start because yeah. we ha- not just the art, but the music and storefronts and, you know, online shopping stores we we're all over the social media yeah we're we're social media whores (laughs) (laughs) we're all over that shit but anyway (laughs) well we're gonna take a short break and when we come back we're gonna give you more black soap recipes and much more so stick around we'll be right back hey we're the stinas and you're listening to magnolia street podcast We have other um, black soap recipe or like other black soap creators that we would like to share. Do you want to start with yours or do you- should we go to Haley? So and- I don't even, I don't even want to talk about mine anymore. No. I'm going to, I will tell you about mine. Laura said you have to share your stuff. Stop I, being yes, afraid of sharing I will share my stuff. stuff. So a while back I had a website and a blog and I I had a black soap recipe that was not really a recipe, but I was like, like we've talked about on the show. I was about 12 years old when I picked up Alice Hoffman's tale of the, the, the masterful Owens family, like 16 years later, that was like the time I started thinking like, maybe I should maybe dive back into this. And I read it like two or three times, um, you know, every year, uh, like once when it started getting warm, cause it's got all those like juicy words about summer and then yeah. kind of like more toward fall because it's it's witches like what's more fucking autumnal than witches um right but it feels like that familiar home and escape and visiting the aunts within these pages was like an ode to life's transitions and its cycles feminine cycles of love and loss and something that has always stood out from the beginning uh, was um like the interest in the homeopathic and the herbal treatments that they use and just as Laura was saying like the presence of this black soap so when i would go to farmers markets and like metaphysical shops and the amish like even like i was looking everywhere the amish stores 
Um, I kind of even remember looking at probably rent fairs, um, but central PA was not about that life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't really find any, um, Pinterests that, that had like really good ones, but then like out of nowhere, I found a recipe that resulted in some black soap. So I also do not use lye. And what she was saying, there's a base you can buy usually at Michael's, um, to help make black soap. You can add whatever ingredients, but the soap that I made really had like three ingredients in it. And, okay. and the, um, what is it? Glycerin, 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 glycerin base. Yeah. So activated charcoal was in mine. And that was like, I was like, how am I going to make this shit black? activated charcoal it's going to pull out all the shit from your face Uh um i was using lemon verbena like soap uh fragrance like there's don't use like essential oil usually there's a specific like soap one but you could probably also use like dried ground up lemon verbena but to me lemon verbena's like verbena it's verbena apothecary so that's why i was like okay we'll go with verbena and then the bentonite clay which you can get almost anywhere these days. I'm going to put the the full recipe over on Patreon, but it's going to pull out all that gunk from your face. I called it midnight verbena, um, but use some kind of moisturizer. Like after you're done, like coconut yeah. oil is really good. I just bought this uh, face. Does it have an SPF in it? It does. It has an SPF 15. I'm so proud of you. From Trader Joe's. It's a mo- I'm no longer using Crisco, you guys. No, I'm just I, never, <laughs> I never used Crisco. I was fucking with you, but I just thought it was funny. So you could use that after you cleanse so the fuck out of your face. I use this after I um, take a shower and, you know, do any kind of facial cleanse that I want to do. Um, and it feels very nice. So. I'm so happy. You know, yeah. Are you proud of me? my day. Are you proud of me? I'm so proud. <laughs> So yeah, definitely moisturize after you use that black soap because it 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 does pull stuff out of your skin, but it also will make you very dry if you don't yeah. moisturize afterwards. So yes, yes. yeah. Um, so another recipe we have is from a lovely listener, and her shop is called Lavender for Luck. And Justine is going to tell us all about Haley. Yeah. So Haley, this is actually funny how I came across her. She followed us. I think she followed us on Instagram. And then like I stalk all of our followers. <laughs> so by the way, if you guys are following us, I probably have stalked you at some point. <laughs> Every single person that follows us, I like to go into their profile, see what they're about. If their profile is public, I'll usually go into a picture and say, hey, thanks for following us, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I saw on Haley's page, she had a little bubble on her profile for the black soap. And she had some videos about her her process. And I reached out to her right away. And I was like, oh my God, this is really weird. The timing of all this. We're doing an episode coming up on the black soap. Can we feature your product on our show? And she was super excited to be involved. So she wrote us a little blurb about her store and about her soap. And she's also sending us a little sample, which I'm so excited about. I think we should do an unpacking, unboxing, like live Ooh, for patrons. Just that like, would be fun. That would be give fun. A little okay. Bath and body. Yeah, we gotta wait till this. If we get the soap before this episode comes out, we actually have to wait to open it until this episode comes out. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. All right. So she sent us a little blurb about her, um, her soap and her company and her just love for practical magic. So her profile is at. Haley Marlis. So it's H-A-L-E-Y-M-A-R-L-Y-C-E. So Haley says, 
Hello, my name is Haley Rawlings, and I am a Wyoming-based artist. I am a lover of all things floral and whimsical. I've been painting for roughly 11 years. Oh, yeah, she is a painter as well. Beautiful, beautiful paintings. I actually have a master's degree in mental health counseling, but I love painting in my free time. I created a small business called Lavender for Luck to sell my artwork and creations. The phrase Lavender for Luck is from a very well-known quote from the film Practical Magic. Always throw spilled salt over your left shoulder, keep rosemary by your garden gate, plant lavender for luck, and fall in love whenever you can. Practical Magic is still my all-time favorite movie that I watched growing up. I have always loved the whimsical, magical nature of both the book and the movie series. Practical magic inspires me. It reminds me of the importance of sisterhood, getting outside of my comfort zone, and being my true, authentic self. I use my small business to sell my paintings, affirmation cards that I've created with the kindred spirit, and my homemade soaps. One of my favorite soaps to create is Practical Magic Black Soap. This soap is made with all natural ingredients, including dried flowers like roses, lavender, chrysanthemum, and calendula. It also includes many healing oils like tea tree, sweet pea, lemon, jojoba, and avocado oil. This soap was inspired by the Practical Magic books. I love the magic of creating a soap and remembering floral details from the first time I read the books. Lavender is one of my favorite flowers, and it was important to add to the Practical Magic soap as well as rosemary and salt. I'm so happy you reached out to me. I can't wait for you to try the soap and see if you like it. I will take some pictures of it tomorrow and send them your way as well. Let me know if you need any other information. Kindly, Haley. I love how many people we've heard from that have said practical magic has inspired me. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I really yeah. hope Alice Hoffman knows what she has done <laughs> to the community. I know. It's it's crazy. It's crazy how how um this has such deep roots, like, you know, in, in the community, like it's, it's, it's amazing. Going back to what she said about the importance of sisterhood, getting outside of her comfort zone being her true authentic self. I feel like this series is the movie, the books, if it has not inspired all of us to step into our own power and just like own our true authentic self. And even going back to what Laura was just saying before, like you can only hide from that for so long before it catches up to you and it finds its way and sneaks its way into your into all the things that you create as it should. I mean, like if it's who you are, you shouldn't try to suppress that. You know? Don't hide it under a bushel basket. Is Don't hide it. Or you're gonna turn yourself into a rabbit. Yeah. So thank you, Haley, for sending that in. And thank you so much for sending us some soap samples. We can't wait to get those and try those out. Again, yeah. if you all have Practical Magic inspired uh, products or art, feel free to write in uh, to our Gmail, magnoliastreetpodcast at gmail.com. Or yeah. it's really quick to just find us on Instagram, Magnolia Street Podcast on Instagram, yeah. and and tell us what you what you love to create and why you love to create it. We have another we have another black soap recipe no. here. This one comes from Kayla Lobermeyer, Lobermeyer, and it's under a tinroof.com. This is stunning. Her blog, under the tinroof.com blog, she showcases her black soap beautifully photographed and okay. she includes her recipe, which I'll I'll share with you and um the herbs and why she includes them. I so, think this one this one was originally published in Willow and Sage, right? Was this the one? That's right. Do you remember what issue it would have um I think it was a I think it was autumn 2017. Didn't we say she had a different last name? Yes. Kay- Kayla 
hot, H-A-U-P-T. So Kayla's recipe, here it goes. This is how she lays it out for you. You're going to need three pounds of goat milk melt base, a pour base. You're going to need three tablespoons of activated charcoal, which is black, and half a cup of jojoba oil, one fluid ounce of rose essential oil, 0.25 fluid ounces of clary sage essential oil, 0.25 fluid ounces of cedarwood essential oil, two tablespoons of coarsely ground coffee beans, oh my God, and uh, one tablespoon of dried calendula and one tablespoon of dried rose petals. And she goes on to say, so herbs for complexion. This soap is comprised of a few ingredients that help aid in complexion and healing the skin on your face. While this soap can be used to wash the entire body, is it, it is specifically made as a facial bar soap. My friend Kara from Wild Farm Soap originally made the recipe, but I have since revised it after making my own soap now for a few years. The uh, having activated charcoal uh, is simply charcoal that has been exposed to high temperatures, making it purer in structure. It becomes porous and it can absorb toxins, making it a wonderful addition to many skincare products. You will also see activated charcoal added to toothpastes um, as a whitening agent, as it's commonly used to clean the teeth before modern toothpaste existed. Activated charcoal is also used to draw out impurities of the skin, um, such as a splinter. I did not know that. What? Wow. Um, okay. it, is a per it is perfect for a facial soap as it helps bring toxins and impurities, such as excess oils or acne, to the surface and absorbs them to wash, away wash them away. Um, you can also take, I know they sell like activated charcoal little pills um, mm -hmm. to help if you got the, the tummy rumbles or the burblies. It'll help mm -hmm. kind of calm that down. Oh, wow. Uh, her, the goat's milk contains fatty acids that help repair the surface area of the skin, improving the natural flora of the skin and making the skin softer. This is a wonderful way to illuminate your facial skin, and it gives so much needed vitamin A. It can also help reduce redness, and the soap has um, a goat milk base. Beautiful. The coffee, which was like a really surprise. I'd be... I feel like I'd be bouncing off the walls, but oh go. my god, are you kidding me? Yeah, this is what for it's sure. good for. Because have you ever tried to coffee stain paper, like, oh, yes. and you not use tongs, <laughs> not recommend? <laughs> does it just seep into your pores it and you're does. just like, ah! it ah! does? Oh my god! <laughs> so coffee has been known to help reduce inflammation in the skin due to conditions such as acne, psoriasis, eczema, and others. It is an antimicrobial, making it perfect for fighting infections in the skin. And this recipe has a coarse coffee ground added uh, as a gentle exfoliator. Really nice. I love yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. The rose oil. Roses are filled with antioxidants, making it a wonderful addition to a facial soap. This can help to prevent cell damage and aid in regeneration of skin tissue. Rose is often used in skincare for its anti-aging properties, and it's perfect for dry skin in particular but it is safe to use on all skin types. And lastly, the sage oil. Because sage is an astringent, it can help to improve acne and blemishes, heal chapped skin, and relieve the symptoms of eczema. Sage increases collagen and is rich in vitamin A. So right. if you go to the under underatinroof.com blog, the blog that Christine is actually reading from, She's got all the supplies. She's got all the ingredients on here. She gives step-by-step -step instructions on how to make this soap. So you can literally make this soap at home. Beautiful. And this has no lie, I believe, right? So perfectly safe. You can make this at home. 
beautiful, beautiful soap. If you go to this blog, her pictures, her pictures are so delicious. <laughs> I want to eat this soap. It <laughs> looks like you should be able to eat it. It's Couldn't just so vibrant and colorful. Oh my God, I can't say enough about the soap, but this is actually from, it says at the top of this article, it says this post was originally published on October 31st, 2017. It has since been revised and updated as of October 7th, 2022. So that, the original publishing that she's talking about was in the Willow and Sage magazine, and I'm pretty sure that's the autumn 2017 issue. If you guys want to go check that out on stampington.com slash willow dash and dash sage. We'll link it below, um, but uh, I think they have downloads on here. She actually wrote, did you read her whole like intro to this, to the no, recipe? for it. All right. So she said, because mind you, this, the title of her article in that magazine, I'm pretty sure is Practical Magic Black Soap. Okay. So she says, who knew that five years ago, my obsession with the novel and film Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman would become one of our most popular blog posts of all time. Not surprising. Not surprising. She says, when I first wrote this blog post, in many ways, I was still finding myself and trying to figure out what I wanted with what I wanted this space on the internet to be. Actually, it was right around the time that I shared this post that we made the decision to buy our farm and move on to a life of true homesteading, or at least no longer homesteading in our backyard. Kind of go back to what Laura was saying before, yeah. right? Can't do that shit in the suburbs. Um, it was then that I kind of lost the original vision for our writing, and I felt that maybe following a farm retail business model would be better. Therefore, my love of herbalism, writing, magical things, history, and cottage core, though I did not have a term for that at the time, were pushed to the back burner. Uh, while part of me regrets that evolutionary journey, it was also necessary for me to go through and figure it out. Or the older I become, the more I want to embrace my true and authentic self, sharing the things that I would find fascinating and love purely because I think they are wonderful. Again, another person saying that they want to find their true authentic self mm -hmm. and turning to practical magic as a means to do so. Amazing. Um, she goes on to say, and that still boils down to having a love affair with practical magic. I had the idea to come up with a recipe for Practical Magic Black Soap, inspired after the novel, five years ago because I could not find a legitimate enough sounding recipe, or really any recipe for the soap on the internet at that time. Now, there are several copycat recipes of the soap circulating around, and many have been taking with, taken without my permission and published in magazines and the like. I have also seen several copycat soaps sold on Etsy. The, this that part is slightly unfortunate but it is the internet what are you going to do but mm. like i mean like all right let's be honest here like everything inspires you know yeah like i don't know recipes mm. i don't know um so she says the owens black soap the recipe is inspired by a few very short passages in the novel practical magic by alice hoffman in which a special black soap is made by the aunts jet and francis to help heal their complexion the soap is referenced to have special ingredients in it to keep the woman looking young and vibrant and it is only made twice a year in their home all right so basically um the passage that she included i'm pretty sure we talked about earlier in this episode and then she says finding more information other than a few small passages is difficult which is why i figured i would try making a variation on my own i have seen other people reference that it is supposed to be lavender scented though i have seen no mention of this in the series of books it is simply just called black soap without any further references other than that it is for facial complexion and this she might have uh, she wrote this probably before 
um rules of magic came out which has all maria's recipes and the scents and the herbs used in it so okay. that probably explains why she couldn't find anything at this point in time but and you have more black soap from the you had sent me this beautiful box packaged like tied up absolutely stunning from salem which included black soap from a different creator and you want to tell us about hive and forge all right, so Hive and Forge is actually the store that I bought it at. Okay. But I think the actual apothecary that carries those soaps is is it red was it Red Antler Apothecary? Red Yes. All right, so Red Antler Apothecary Salem has a whole section in the Hive and Forge shop, which is on on Church Street. It's at 30 Church Street in Salem. Um, so the Red Antler Apothecary has their own website, their handcrafted soaps, and they also carry other natural, um, self-care products. So you can get this on redantlerapothecary.com and this sells for $8.50 on the website. Okay. So the description is charcoal, tea tree, and eucalyptus. And they work together to heal acne and control oil production. And the ingredients are coconut oil, vegetable soy oil, castor oil, essential oils of tea tree and eucalyptus and charcoal. I used it. I guess I could review them. It is buttery. So it's like cut in a rectangle. It's probably like two, almost two and a half inches tall. And on top is sprinkled all the, the, those goody herbs. And it is jet black. It's black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it goes on like butter and it lathers up really nice. Some soaps don't, but okay. I just put it on my wash rag and rub. It is like a little cloud. It's wonderful. Um, and I, it- I'm so afraid to use mine. Why? Not afraid. Not afraid. I just like, I don't want to use it because I just like, I don't want it to, to like be gone. So <laughs> I'm just like saving it for a rainy day. Well, you told but- everybody where to find it. You can always order more. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. It's just like I got it in Salem, so it's like the the sentimental value. I don't know. I'm weird yeah. like that. I hold on to things. You were probably wearing Sentiment- your red boots. It it's a memory. It's a special memory. <laughs> I'm gonna wash my face with it while I wear my red boots. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so go I, I go really on. like it. The only thing that like I've noticed is when you put it back down, put it like in a soap dish or I'll like fold up my washcloth and p- yeah. put it on top of my washcloth because the black stained? stuff. The black, it'll um just collect, you know, where the okay. it'll just drip down and it kind of soap scum, a little bit of black, yeah, a little bit of black soap scum. Okay, but okay. nothing that can't be washed. So you love it. I love it. You love it. Good. I'm glad. All right, and mo- you moisturize after you use it, right? No, <laughs> I Stina, you yell at me. <laughs> well, I use it on my body, and I'll shower at night, so I go right. Oh, you to use bed. it in the shower? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what, yeah. So using it in the shower, I think it, it gets hit with a lot more water. So that's probably why it has the little yeah. puddle, but yeah. I haven't used it really directly on my face Okay. by itself. Okay. Maybe I'll chop off the top half and keep that by the sink and use that on my face. For your face? Yeah. Uh, this person says, this is by Amanda M. And this was written November 26, 2022. She says, I came across red antler soaps when I was shopping at Forge and Hive in Salem, Massachusetts. Let me tell you, I stood there for 20 minutes smelling all those amazing fragrances. <laughs> Dude, I did the same exact thing, Amanda. I'm right with you there, girl. I did not know which one I wanted to buy, but then I saw the black soap. And this was around the time me and Christina were starting this podcast. So mm-hmm. I was like, done deal. Black soap it is. And I sent right. I sent you a whole goodie box of Practical Magic inspired stuff from Salem. Mm-hmm. Um. 
She says, I, as I tried to make a decision, I read all the little inscriptions next to the creative soap names. What ultimately made me choose this one was that it could help with acne and oil production. I've used this only on my face morning and night for a month now, and I love it. It's gentle. It smells great. It hasn't cured my acne, but I believe it's improved. And I'd rather use this natural soap that's curated by hand than drugstore products. Mm -hmm. Anyways, when I got home to Miami, I went ahead and ordered the soaps. I couldn't fit into my luggage. And now I'll be gifting different soaps to my fellow uh, 305 inhabitants. So yeah, buy the soaps, she says. <laughs> Cute. Yeah. What's a 305 inhabitant? I guess the area code oh. where she's from, Miami, maybe. That makes yeah. sense. Wow, she she came a long way to Salem, all the way down from yeah. the tip of Miami. So I have found a, I think this is a fictional book. Um, I was just ser searching black soap and witchcraft, okay. like on on Google, and this actually popped up. It says okay. black soap and witchcraft by Viv Montgomery, and I think <laughs> it's a fictional book. If I'm understanding this right. Um, it's on authorhouse.com. I've also seen it on like Amazon and a lot of other like book selling yeah, websites. It looks like Barnes and Noble and book uh, Google Books. But if awesome. you notice, none of those websites have a synopsis. Like not you know one what, of those though? websites. I couldn't find anything. The genre is listed as biography. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right, so if this is about the life of Viv Montgomery, this is what Viv has to say about the book. And this was literally the only website I could find this blurb on. All okay. the other book-selling websites, this does not exist. I don't know why. But it says, Who would have thought that one telephone call could play such a major role in changing a life forever? Vivette's excitement turned to horror when at the tender age of nine, she and her family left behind everyone they knew and loved for a new life in West Africa. They expected things to be different, but they weren't prepared for the culture shock that greeted them. Exposure to nighttime visitors at boarding school, bewitched dorm, dorm mates speaking in tongues, a, a madman trying to break in, and a chicken giving the evil eye became part of daily life. These are just a few of the occurrences described in this child's passage through puberty to adulthood, experiencing controversy and adversity all the way in a country she refused to recognize as her own. I don't oh. know what that has to do with black soap. <laughs> I don't know, but I think we should add it to our maybe reading list. In a, in yeah, the yeah. Um, very, very interesting. I mean, my curiosity is peaked. I was like, what does that have to do with black soap and witchcraft? But Me too. I mean, that's very interesting. But awesome. I thought I'd throw it out there since it says black soap and it says witchcraft. Check it out. See see uh, how you can make the connection. Let us know if you read this yeah. book. Yeah. Write it I'll in. Put it, tell, us, tell us all about it. I'll put it on our Goodreads. Um, did you have so – didn't you say you were going to tell us a little bit, bit about the Amish and the lie? Oh, it wasn't the Amish. It was the uh, the historian Ruth Good. Ruth Goodman, I think is her name, on Victorian the Victorian farm and the Edwardian farm. Oh, and right. um, she does it in the Tudor monastery. She um, They use it for a bunch of different things. Um, the only thing that I can really remember her doing when she's making the lie is she's building up like um, a small little chimney and letting her wood, at, you know, her wood turn into ash and then funneling water through that ash. And the stuff that comes out is a, like a liquid lie. And her process of washing like the big okay. sheets and the big like tablecloths and all that stuff, she's saying when she puts them, she'll put them into this big, uh, almost a barrel, but more like a wicker basket, which I don't know how the, how it 
I guess that she's not loading it up yeah. with water. She'll take a wicker basket, put a layer of the sheets on the bottom, just just one little layer, and then crisscross. You ever play that game Kerplunk, where you have to you put like sticks, puts like sticks through the wicker yeah, basket to make a shelf. Yeah, and she'll put yeah, another, yeah, yeah. Um, layer, and she keeps making this like okay. layered lasagna of sheets, and then she'll take that lie and she just pours the lie over all of the all of the sheets and stuff to clean them and i guess they then take it down to the river and then rinse it and then they lay everything out on the grass so that the sun will help bleach all the sheets it's really it's fucking fascinating this woman also she she's fascinating and she has the uh confidence of somebody i would love to have the confidence of because she looks like she would be from that time here she is. Um, She's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Goodman. <laughs> Ruth Goodman, a social her. and domestic historian. So these are on Amazon. They're on Prime. There's a couple different seasons. Oh, my God. There's so many. Okay. Victorian Farm, Edvardian Farm, <laughs> Edvardian cool. Farm, Tudor Monastery, Wartime Farm, Secrets of the Castle, Victorian Pharmacy. And inside the factory. So she's the host of all of these? I think so. She's credited. Her daughter actually is a part of the show too. Her name is Eve. And it's really surprising. Uh, I'm not sure how old she is, but her daughter is also like following in her mother's footsteps of being a historian in that fashion. It's really fascinating. Um, do you want to take a dive into dreams really quick? Is Brasidia going to make an appearance today? She is. What does she have to say about, wait, about black soap? Well, first we have just soap in general. First we have okay. Teresa Chung from the Dream Dictionary from A to Z. So okay. if you dream about soap, it says soap is a mundane symbol of cleanliness, most obviously symbolizing feelings of guilt that you want to wash away. It could also simply reflect a need to create more order in your life. If you were threatened in childhood with having your mouth washed out with soap when you spoke out in, of turn... To dream of the same may be a warning, may be warning you about casual obscenity. So basically speaking uncensored. Yes. Like sense not having to censor yourself. Right. Or maybe that it's it's you're afraid to speak your truth because you're afraid of somebody, I guess, punishing you. Okay. All right. So Brasidia from the Ultimate Dream. The Ultimate Dictionary of Dream Language says, I guess if you're using soap, you enjoy an unexpected financial victory. Others using soap, allow yourself private, intimate moments with another person. Special moments are yours for the next few days. If you slip on a bar of soap, take steps to protect your environment and surroundings. With Within five days, something will occur that will pose a threat to you. This oh, may shit. be something in the line of an undetectable toxic fume that could lead to sickness or death. Or you could become the victim of a random murder. <gasps> oh my god, this escalated quickly. <laughs> you have prior notice of this and can take steps to avoid any danger, secure your environment, and make sure you experience only positive emotions in your life. What's saddle soap? Is that soap you wash saddles with? I don't fucking know, but what did it say? What what kind of soap dream is it if that you'll be murdered? Slip if you slip on a bar of soap. If you slip on a bar of soap. Yeah. Okay, so if you guys are dreaming of slipping on bars of soaps, lock your doors, hide your kids, hide your wives. Hide your wives. Hide your wives, because <laughs> they're killing everybody out there. Don't slip on your soap. <laughs> oh my god. 
Saddle soap, I guess, be careful when engaging in pleasure-seeking activities. Someone will attempt to involve you in negotiations that have serious implications. Soap suds, and be determined to meet these goals. You will see a real change in your life over the next few days. If you dream about soapy water, make sure you get the meat of a particular issue. Once you decide what the missing element is, you will be able to conduct yourself in such a way to resolve in the appropriate manner. Wow. Wow, Brasidia. Oddly specific. On top of it. <laughs> so yeah, that was a lot of fun. I am so happy that she agreed to do this interview. I'm, I just find it funny that we're like, we're stalking each other unknowingly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> on each other's radar. Um, but I love the creative circle jerk we have going on here. Yeah, for sure. Auntie Laura, that's just- right, Go check her out. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to link all her information in our show notes. But if you have any particular product that you create, practical magic inspired art you create, you can send it to us over at Magnolia Street Podcast at gmail.com. You could check us out at Instagram.com slash Magnolia Street Podcast. We are also on the TikTok now. Uh, we got a book club. We got, a, I don't know, a Facebook community. <laughs> we got a, lot, a bunch of things. Um, we just rolled out a new, um, it's a little bit of a hefty tier, but you know, if you want to do a little more chatting with us on a more personal level on the day to day, if you want to be involved in mine and Christina's bullshit on the daily, you can join our new Marco Polo tier. It's our $15 tier. And that is uh, the Wisteria Vine tier. It's free to download and you just um, get to hang out with us a little. You get all of Justina's unadulterated theories. <laughs> like, you, you know what she brings to the show? multiply that like put that on steroids but and from the toilet yes i wasn't gonna say <laughs> that but yes you get her from the toilet i promise uh, i won't marco anybody from the toilet that's just reserved for you christina yeah and i'm also trying out like i used to play sims all the time i have a ton of practical magic sim stuff on my youtube but i might touch back into that and see how they're doing on there and i thought it'd be fun if the patrons kind of played along and justina could also be like the voice of god but if the mm -hmm. patrons play along eventually down the line it would be really cool to create you guys and have you live within like the practical magic world and be a part of their uh town i guess so i'm still on the fence because no you're not we're gonna do that that sounds like so much fun to not do <laughs> um but do you really want me to be the voice of god i mean really i mean there's gonna be some inappropriate <laughs> Oh, that's what I was going to say about the Marco Polo group. I think it could turn into quite the chaotic. Oh, God. It'll be fun, though. So go check us out. That um, Our Patreon is Magnolia Street Podcast over on Patreon. We have tiers now ranging from $1 to 15 being that new Wisteria Vine tier. Uh, but for as low as $1 a month, you guys can get in on all of our Patreon-only polls. You help vote and help us decide what we talk about next on the show. So definitely get in on those so you can get in your votes. Um, maybe we'll talk about your topic next. Uh, our $3 tier is our, what's that, our show notes tier. We also post some after hours stuff after we're done recording the episode. If we have any additional anecdotes or tidbits or behind the scenes stuff that we want to include, we'll include that in that $3 tier. Our $5 tier is our private Facebook community and our, also our Discord server where we host our monthly book club. And also we do one Facebook Live a month through the Facebook, through that tier. 
Um, so just come chat with us, hang out on a Sunday morning, bring some champagne, bring your mimosa, whatever you want to do. If you want to get a little tipsy brunch going on, it's all good. We don't mind. So those lives have been a lot of fun to get to know our uh, listeners a little more on a personal level. Yes. And then our $8 tier is our, um, that's our audio visual uh, tier. And that includes a lot of the music that we are, a lot of our original Practical Magic inspired music that we are getting around to um, featuring on the show. We have, I think, one song episode post up there so far, but we also, um, up to this point, have included a lot of fun, you know, random audiovisual content. Like we but have, you a also shared a couple other songs of ours because you did a live show that's and right. your husband was able to record you, and so that's like, that's right. That's so a big bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I completely forgot about that. I just posted that. Um, I debuted some of these, some of the songs from this project at my most recent show at the Seven Crest in Teaneck, New Jersey, a couple weeks ago. And I played a song called One Green Eye, One Blue, which is Gary's love song to Sally. And um, my husband captured a little video. Well, he captured the whole song in its entirety. So I posted that to the $8 tier. So if you guys want to go check that out, um, that's up there now. Yeah, we have other stuff on there too. We're like We have some bonus episodes. We have a meditation up there. Christina just posted a little um, intro to her little Sims world for Magnolia Street. She made a whole magnolia street she made sally's verbena apothecary shop which is adorable so she she just posted a video on that so go check that out so you know we're, we're constantly posting to each tier and just putting up little goodies for you guys we also have calendar right monthly calendar so you guys can see the, the episodes coming Our up patreon is fucking loaded it's popping so if you guys want all this extra juicy ass content because i mean you're missing the party here i mean let's be honest you're you're missing the party so you might want to get on this boat before it sinks with with billy zane <laughs> just wanted to throw that in <laughs> i think that's it we have a goodreads where you can find all the sources we use the books mentioned all that good stuff but i think yeah. that is everything if we miss something oh i know what we fucking missed what we miss? personal instagrams i am oh. over at seca artistry that's s-e-k-a artistry and you can see all my art over there and i also have one for room closet artistry if you want to see book of shadows stuff but um okay. i'm in progress i'm trying to work my way up to doing an art show so i'll probably be loading a lot of new art over there and i do take commissions just putting that out there <laughs> well now we have to we've been instructed by auntie laura to i know put our art out there as we should um you guys can check me out a lot of my um original music can be found at Justina's World on Inst or at Justina's World Official on Instagram, and then um, all of my witchy artwork and um, I guess I don't know lotions, potions, and all that magical home 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 and gardens kind of stuff is on my at Bohemia Magic Studios Instagram, and that's uh, magic with one C. And those are listed below. And me and Christina do both have YouTube channels. We haven't posted to them in a while, but <laughs> we are everywhere. We are so easy to find. Dude, our Magnolia Street podcast is even on YouTube. We do have a YouTube channel. All that's on it right now is our episodes that I think I put them on there to air after the Spotify air date. So okay. if you want to listen to them on YouTube, they will be available. New episodes will be available on the Saturday following the Friday that the episode airs at 2 p.m. And I think I, I have them all set to premiere. So you can live chat if you want and commentary on our episodes if you want to. 
Sweet. That's yeah. cool. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us on Magnolia Street. And we hope you like meeting Laura. We loved meeting her. And yeah. we hope to get to talk to her again really soon. I'm Justina. I'm Christina. And, and we'll, we'll see you next time. time. At that house down the street. At that house on Magnolia Street. Would you go down to Magnolia Street with